The following podcast is meant for mature audiences and for, is for entertainment purposes only. We do not own any of the clips used in this podcast. The 700 Tapes podcast will contain foul language, crude material, and other subject matter. If you're easily offended, please stop listening now. In 2019, Jasperino purchased 700 VHS tapes at a yard sale for $35. He promptly moved them to a safe house deep in the outlands of the Arizona desert. If you're into nostalgia and you like VHS, and if you can find him, maybe you can listen to the 700 Tapes Podcast. Oh. 
course, it's not a good day to be a bad guy, huh, skank? Fire it up, fire it up, fire it up, fire it up. What's up, freaks and weirdos? Mutants of all kinds, desert dwellers, night dwellers, night stalkers. Welcome to the 700 Tapes podcast as we get ready to celebrate Devil's Night by covering... The 1994 classic, The Crow. I am Jasperino, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legacy, Mr. Roman Alvarado. How you doing? Can't complain, man. Rocking out to a little Stone Temple Pilots today. This is one of those movies... Where the soundtrack kind of made the movie. Definitely. And it was as good as the movie. And every time you watch, or every time you listen to the soundtrack, you think about what scene that song was from in the movie. Much like we talked about last time, the From Dust Till Dawn soundtrack was the same way. For me, anyway. It was nowhere near the commercial hit that this soundtrack was. Right. This soundtrack, when it dropped with this movie was hot and it was hot for a long time but that's our movie today the crow Hell yes. uh what have you been doing besides delivering face masks this week um to be honest it's fucking been about it i've been designing new ones and shit like that but uh other than that just fucking work they, they call you the mask man <laughs> the masked man not the masked man the mask man <laughs> Cause I'm the mask man. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm the mask man. <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm super excited to do this fucking this nice. Movie. I am too. So, as you know, or I mean you may not know, we are a VHS podcast. Yes. All of the movies we're reviewing are straight from VHS. I watch them, we watch them directly off of a VCR, old school style. There's no Netflix involved here. There's no DVDs or Blu-ray. We are tape heads, and we are purists, and if we review this on VHS, we are watching it on VHS. Yes. So, I always forget to mention that, that this is a strictly VHS podcast. I do that a lot on Instagram, but right. I don't think I talk about it enough on here, that all of these movies, that's kind of what we hope sets us apart, is the movies we're reviewing are all straight from VHS. Of course, it's called the 700 Tapes Podcast. Uh, because I bought 700 tapes at a yard sale and added them to the three to 500 tapes I already had. But uh, the 700 tapes is what spawned the idea. So there you have 700 tapes podcast. Hell yeah. So you can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook. We have a page. We also have a group on Facebook, uh, both under the 700 tapes podcast. Find us on the IG, the Instagram uh, seven at seven hundred tapes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, uh, Jasperino at seven hundred tapes. Uh, drop us an email if there's a movie you want us to cover, or if you want to say something or give us a comment or anything like that. You can drop us an email seven hundred tapes at gmail dot com on your interwebs. Let us know if you need a face mask. Uh, have Roman <laughs> hook you up. 
Or yeah, like I said, if you want to see a movie and uh, I don't have it, if it's not eighty dollars on eBay, I'll buy it and have it shipped right here to the Outlands of Arizona. Hell yeah! And we will watch that thing and we will review it just for you because that's how much you guys mean to us. Hell yeah! If you're listening to this, you've probably already found a podcasting platform to listen to us on. But if not, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher. Spotify, iTunes, because we're kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm leaving one out. Chat, chat, uh, chat box, chat uh, box. cast box. Cast box. Cast on chat box. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, find us on there. If you listen to us on iTunes, please, please, please give us a review. Right. And let us know what you think. Um, other than that, now that we've got that unfortunate business out of the way, you would think we're getting paid to do all that. Right. You got a hell of a plug-in right if there. If you want to sponsor <laughs> the 700 Tapes podcast, send money directly to... Just kidding. Uh, no, actually, uh, we will take sponsors. Uh, hell yeah. We're trying to build our listener base. So Definitely. If you would like to sponsor the 700 Tapes podcast, then by all means, send us a uh, request at 700tapes at gmail.com, and uh, we will get back to you. Yes. And you can sponsor the living crap out of us if mm-hmm. you want to. Or the living dead, because we're probably going to cover that, too. Uh, we will get to that eventually. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. I'm very much looking forward. We haven't really covered a uh, outright horror movie yet. Right. I mean, we've done some action. We've done with horror elements in it. I think from Dust Till Dawn. Right. I would consider that more of an action movie than a horror movie. Right. We haven't done a down and out, like down and dirty in the mud slasher type horror movie yet. And I'm very much looking forward to that because that's my shit. Right. Uh, most of the tapes that I owned before I bought all the other tapes uh, were from they were mostly eighties and nineties horror movies. Some older than that. I've got I've got I go all the way back. I got some uh, old forties and fifties horror stuff. Some sixties. I've got some what? Italian horror in there. Yeah, I got all kinds of shit. So so, so what would what would um, be classified as like forties and fifties horror? Um, I, I have sci fi and shit. Like if that. you look to your left. Uh huh. That stack of us uh, of uh, VHSs there. I've got like uh, the original. I've got like Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. Okay, so I've that's got like some Dracula horror? shit down there. Yeah, okay. absolutely. That's like your classic Universal horror. I've got gotcha. some of the uh, lesser known sequels to the Creature of the Black from the Black Lagoon. Wow. The Creature Walks Among Us. Wow. Uh, that's down there. Um, Castle of Frankenstein. Um, a lot of the, I've got some hammer stuff that were offshoots of the universal stuff. Cause they couldn't technically say this is a sequel to, gotcha. but you know, house of Frankenstein and stuff like that. It's kind of all in that same, you can watch them like it, it's a, it's not universal, but it's connected to it by so the it's character, not canon, but it is exactly continuation. Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, some of those I'm looking for, I'm really looking forward to covering those. Hell yeah. And I was thinking the other day, if you guys have any ideas for this. Let me know. Mother's Day is coming up. Right. I need a good. I need a good. Uh, I need a good movie we can do for Mother's Day. Huh. Start brain. Start uh, kind of getting that moving around in your brain and see if you can come up with anything. Okay. If you guys have any idea what we could do for Mother's Day, um, drop us an email seven hundred tapes at gmail dot com, or uh, contact us on via one of our social media platforms and let us know. We are really really open to suggestions i had a couple of ideas but they're kind of obscure movies that i don't think a lot of people would know and i'm trying to save the obscure stuff for when we've got a few episodes under our belt we're trying to kind of do 
not mainstream stuff, but stuff people recognize before right. we start dropping like the real back end shit on you. My first thought was a movie called Invaders from Mars. Okay. Uh, which has Karen Black in it, right. one of my favorite actresses. Um, it's a movie from the 80s about a kid that obviously realizes there's aliens right. and he's trying to tell his mom and just hilarity ensues. Uh, the other one is called Children of the Night, which okay. is right there, actually, under my jack-o'-lantern. Um, that has uh, Peter DeLuise in it, who was uh, Dom DeLuise's kid. If you ever watched Dom 21 DeLuise. Jump Street, you'll remember Peter DeLuise. Also was Karen Black. Wow. So uh, she's in a lot of mother movies, I guess. Okay. Um, those were the first two that, right off the top of my head, other than, obviously, the first Friday the 13th. Gotcha. Because if you've never seen those movies, stop listening because I'm about to spoil it for you unless you've watched Scream. In the first Friday the 13th movie, Jason was not the killer. It was his mother. So that was my other thought right off the bat of one that we could do for Mother's Day. But if you guys have a good idea, um, I also have, um, I think it's a trauma movie down there called Rabbit Grannies. Rabbit Grannies. <laughs> well, damn. So I thought that maybe uh, you know because grannies are mothers too I guess right there's they're they're a mother mother I don't know I'll look through there and uh, <laughs> I guess we could also do uh, uh what is it um the Arnold movie with uh, True Lies True Lies okay because she's kind of um, Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie has Lee big Curtis. role in that and she's she's a mom to Eliza Dushku as well as a wife I don't know something you guys could help us with with, uh, with something really really uh, strong female lead exactly yeah exactly exactly we can always go t2 oh that's a good one too actually because she because what's her name sarah connor yeah that yeah or actually, t1 right How well she we became could, a mother in that movie right i'm like we can't, we can't <laughs> well actually really. the whole basis of that was john connor was sending him back in time to protect his mother right so yeah that makes sense or we could do Aliens, because oh. what better Mother's Day movie than The Queen? Right. Oh, I think we might have found our Mother's Day movie. Hell it's yeah. Like, oh, the Alien Queen. That's a good idea. We might have to toss that one back and forth a little bit. See which see which one sticks. We could actually do Pulp Fiction. We could. Because Samuel L. Jackson says, motherfucker, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get you guys too excited just Right, yet. right. Yeah, right. That's the thick of things. Yeah. You know, we're still in the thin of things right now. Oh, wait till we get to the audition. That's going to happen soon. Or not oh, soon. That's going to happen eventually, oh, I should say. Shit. If you guys don't know what the audition is, it's a really, really good Japanese horror movie. Um, but like I said, we're trying to get like some more recognizable stuff in at the beginning, trying to get you guys in, get to know us. Right. Get to know who we are and enjoy what we talk about. And then we start hitting you with some shit maybe you haven't heard of. Right. So anyway... Speaking of, I uh, I had a good weekend, like okay. uh, scoring collectible shit. Right, 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 right. Um, so I went to the thrift store yesterday. Okay. And I scored some videotapes. Nice. Uh, if you guys want to check those out, it's on Instagram. I posted a picture of them today. Um, I got. Uh, God, excuse me. We are live <laughs> like a suicide live. in the outlands of Arizona. You hear every burp and. Every little sound that comes out of my head. Um, I picked up uh, The Road Warrior, which oh, is yeah, the sequel to that. Mad Max. I saw that. In a clamshell, of all things, too. That's badass. Yeah. Um, I don't know how a lot of VHS and that's collectors... that's the first one that, that kind of jumped out at me was 
the Road Warriors. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And if you collect VHS, I don't know if I'm speaking for all collectors here, but I love finding the clamshells. There's just something about the plastic clamshell that's really, really cool. I also got Animal House in the clamshell. In the clamshell. Yep. I got um, Jaws 3, The Revenge, which is quite possibly one of the worst movies ever made, which is really cool. (laughs) That also kind of came up on my radar as a Mother's Day movie. Because it's the mother fighting the shark in this one. The, really? Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a it's kind of convoluted. I found the Naked Gun trilogy in a box set, which was awesome. It was the Naked Gun, the Naked Gun oh, two and a half, and the Naked, Naked Gun yeah. thirty three and a third. Oh my god, those movies are awesome. And I got yeah, it's a box set. What's so that it, was what's, cool. uh, Leslie the, Nielsen? There we go, Leslie Nielsen. I have another really good Leslie Nielsen movie called Dracula Dead and Loving It. It's a comedy. And it's really, really good. He has a uh, he has a daymare because he sleeps during the day, <laughs> and he dreams he's at a barbecue and he's like eating fried chicken like a regular person, and he's visiting with everybody, and Igor comes up. He's like, "Boss, what are you doing in the sun?" He's like, "Look at me, Igor. I am at the barbecue. I'm eating chicken." <laughs> and then all of a sudden he catches fire. He's like, "Oh no!" Ah! And then he wakes up in his coffee. He's, <gasps> I had a daymare. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a nightmare. It's so a daymare. <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's a good movie. Leslie Nielsen was awesome. Yeah, funny, funny, funny fucking guy. Yes. Funny guy. So, um, yeah, and then, um, so I got that. I found, and I haven't posted this on Instagram yet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have you do this first. Look to your left and look down and tell me what you see. Oh, look, that was the first thing I, I, I walked in and I saw it, and I was like, holy shit. I... Found the mother load of laser discs. Oh, I was. Are you so looking at my vandal skateboard? I was at your vandal skateboard. Oh no, that's been there actually. Has it? You know what it is? I usually have a hat hanging on it. Got you. So oh. that, that's the first thing I noticed walking in. You know. See, the, this is the shit we would edit out and post, but you guys get everything, dude. Yeah, I found some laser discs. Damn. Dude, I got a Nightmare on Elm Street three, which time is out, my time favorite out, one. Out. Okay, the Batman. I got Batman and Batman Returns that on fucking laser disc. Badass. Look under there. Look under that one. Oh. I found shit. Pulp Fiction on laser disc. Take that Pulp Fiction out. The other one's The Adams Family. Open it up. Just just open it up like a book. Just open it up like a book. Like a book? Yeah. All right. There's a whole like middle part in there that's really really cool. So it's like a double album almost. How cool is that? It's got a really huge picture of the dance scene at Jackrabbit Slims and then like a little bunch of other this small pictures ass. around it and stuff from the movie. It's really, I'm so, so happy. This is badass. It is. It. Oh, my God. And it's one of those weird things. Like, this happens to me every once in a while. It's almost like I have a sixth sense about this. Whenever I get that out of nowhere feeling of, oh, maybe I need to swing into the Goodwill. I do, and I always find something cool when that happens. And then yesterday, I was here, and I was kind of prepping for the podcast, and I had put all the uh, audio and everything together already, and I was watching the movie and making my notes. I was like, I'm going to take a break, and I went downstairs to take a break, and I was like, I want to run by the Goodwill. It's early on Saturday. Maybe I'll find something good. Well, it was like 9 o'clock. Okay. I thought they opened at 9, and I got there, and it was on like 9.15, and uh, the doors are locked, and the lady's like, we don't open until 10, sir. And I was like, ah, crap. So I came home, and I made the kids some breakfast, and Roe was at work. I made the kids some breakfast, and uh, I was like, 
should I go back to the Goodwill? And I was like, ah, yeah, I'm going to go. So I went back to the Goodwill and I kind of tooled around a little bit and I went right over to like the media section because that's where I usually start out. Gotcha. First thing I saw was that Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and I was like, you're shitting me. Yeah, I, I shit. went running over there and I'm flipping through and every it was just kept getting better and better. I was like, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Adam's family. Nice. Pulp Fiction. Are you got Batman? Oh. Batman Returns? Holy what is going shit. on? Dude, oh my God. I was a happy dude. And then I looked up and like right above the shelf above that was all those VHS tapes. Nice. And I was like, dude, that's really cool. I didn't buy all of them because there was quite a few in there, but a lot of them I already had. Gotcha. And I'm kind of at the point where certain movies I'll buy over and over again because back in the before time, before the COVID before time. I used to go to this uh <laughs> I used to go to this uh VHS exchange event once a month at the Thunderbird Lounge in Phoenix. That's badass. It hasn't happened in the last couple months though because nobody goes anywhere anymore. We're all kind of quarantined in. Right. But as soon as that starts up again, I, I usually go out there and, and set up and sell some tapes and nice. trade and do things like that. It's really cool. In fact, I think a couple of the a couple of our listeners uh I met out there, that's how they started listening to us. So that's badass. Fear not, loyal listeners, if you're listening to this, we will be back to the Thunderbird Lounge eventually, uh, pushing our wares and our tapes and whatever yes. else we can drag down there with us. Shout out to uh, Victor Moreno at Cult Classics for putting uh, that together, I believe. I, I, if, if I gave you credit for that and you didn't do it, I apologize. Um, also, uh, from <laughs> if you want to check me out on another podcast, you can find me on Cult Following nice. uh, that I do with Victor Moreno. We also have not done a podcast uh, for Cult Following in a while because we're quarantined in. Um, the cool thing about doing this podcast out of my house is we're, that uh, you can just... We're, we're self-contained. We're, we're self-contained. <laughs> you know, the other podcast is okay, but it, it's not like a real podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a bed. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. <laughs> oh, Mr. Hank Hill. <laughs> I know. I'll tell you what. But the Damn cool it, thing Jasper. is, the cool thing is, I love doing this out of my house. Hell yeah. Because it's comfortable. I got all my shit around me. Um, You know, Rowan can just come over, dip in, yep. do this, and then be out. You know, right. like, it's really cool. And the, the best thing was that we, I can't really do this now, but when I did my other podcast, The House of Freaks, um, I was married to my co-host, uh-huh. but there were times like literally we would like watch a movie or something and then, um, especially like during the summertime when it was hot and you have a hard time sleeping, mm-hmm. we'd get up at one o'clock in the morning and I'd be like, you want to go turn the shit on and do the podcast right now? Yeah, why not? And then we'd be out there at two o'clock in the morning podcasting just cause it was <laughs> on a whim, you know? But even yes. when we did do it, we never started it till like, t- you know, eight ten o'clock at night. So it always went late because right. that was it, we were talking about creepy shit. It was more fun to do it at night, I guess. Right. But this Can't is cool though, because like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's cool because you can come in and hang out, and right. you know, we do our thing, drinky drinks, and Shoot do the whatever. Shit. Yeah, exactly. We, always, we are Roman always ends up leaving way later than we finish up because we end up standing outside talking because that's what we do. That's how this podcast came about because he and I couldn't see each other without there being at least a 45-minute conversation involved. About random About whatever, yeah. Yeah, it was good shit. (laughs) So um, I am going to 
actually make an executive decision. I'm going to forego the trailer this cool. time yeah. because I played the trailer at the yeah. end of the last episode, but there's no talking in it, so it's a little weird. Gotcha. Like, and I tried to find one with a, sometimes when a wrong is done, <laughs> a soul can come back from the grave. Brandon Lee starring in you know there's nothing there's no movie guy (laughs) promo it's just that crazy gothic music with the choir behind it it's got the girl talking in the beginning right but after that it's kind of an awkward preview because dude i'm okay i'm saving i'm not i almost gave away what we're doing next time i'm not going to do that this time because i've done it every episode i want to wait till the end so you can be surprised right let me tell you it's a doozy doozy baby the next preview for the stuff we're doing next time is the perfect movie preview it's got lines from the movie in it. It's got the movie guy talking over it. <laughs> and it's got explosions and shoot, dude, it's going to be fucking amazing. Hang around to the end of the podcast and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, don't don't cheat us and fucking skip to the end. Right. Don't miss all the good shit. Don't be, yeah, don't be a dirty cheater. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about the beginning of the podcast. Let's Let's mm-hmm. rewind about 20 minutes here. That opening music, if you did not recognize it, was Sting's music from WCW when he did the Crow thing. Do you remember that Hell back yeah. in the 90s? Hell yeah. We would be remiss to do a podcast about the Crow without talking about Sting. Sting. Of course. So for those of you that don't follow wrestling, um, we've been doing a lot of wrestling talk yeah. the last couple podcasts. Definitely. But... um. For those of you who didn't follow wrestling in the 90s, that was one of the best times to be alive as a wrestling fan. It was called the Attitude Era. Yeah, the Monday Night Wars is what they called it because the WWF and WCW were fighting for ratings on Monday Night Television. So they were both upping their game. And it was, dude, I would go to work and be excited all day. It's wrestling night. It's wrestling night. (laughs) And I would like go back and forth between the two i tape one and watch the other and vice versa damn you know i like that was like oh man it was a great time <laughs> to be alive so what happened was to kick this off mm-hmm. hall and nash which were two guys from wwf showed up in wcw claiming they were there to take over from the other company <clears throat> And they kept spouting off, we've got a third member, we've got a third member, we've got a third guy that behind the scenes, whatever. And they wouldn't say who it was. Right. So at Bash at the Beach that year, they were supposed to have a match. It was um, Sting, Lex Luger, and Macho Man Randy. No, yeah, Sting, Lex Luger, and Macho Man Randy Savage mm-hmm. versus Holland Nash, the Outsiders, and their mystery third partner. Right. So a little behind-the-scenes thing here. The original pick for their third guy uh-huh. was Sting. Gotcha. And Sting didn't want to do it because he'd always been a face and he didn't want to become a, a bad guy. He didn't want to be a heel. Right. And he didn't think it was believable that he would turn his back on WCW, which would have been a great storyline, but I'm kind of glad they didn't do it because of who they used. Right. For those of you, I mean, you probably know who it was. Um, so during the match, the third guy doesn't show up and they're wrestling and they're fighting each other. Here and they the outsiders start cheating, and here comes Hulk Hogan, and everybody's like, "Oh, shit's going down now!" Hulk Hogan's there, you know, leg drop, everybody, atomic drop, you know, leg drop. Hogan gets in the ring and he leg drops Randy Savage, biggest heel turn of all time. He yeah. turns his back on everybody. He's the third member, and they form the NWO, New World Order, New 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 World Order. So, Sting disappears for like three months. You don't see hide nor hair of Sting. 
When Sting comes back after the NWO has been running rampant through WCW and beating everybody up and winning all the titles and blah, 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 Sting shows back up and he no longer has short hair and that's why he was gone for three months. He had grown, he had, you know, if you guys remember Sting, he had the blonde, like, mullet, mm-hmm. crew top, um, Kiefer Sutherland from Lost Boys haircut with face paint and everything, brightly colored. Sting shows back up in 1996. I swear to God, he is the crow. For sure. He's got the long brown hair. He's got the face paint. He's got the leather jacket. He's coming down from the rafters. He is the embodiment of. Exactly. And then if you guys didn't know in the beginning that that music was from WCW, because at the end she's like, this is Sting. You would have thought that was a trailer for the crow. Right. You know what I mean? So he did that gimmick up as much as he possibly could. And uh, so I had to I had to get a little homage to the stinger in there um, at the beginning of this. And I thought it was funny because you can't really talk about the crow without talking about sting. You can't. So there's that. So that being said. It's, and it's oops. badass. You know, you go you go from, you know, fucking uh, almost uh, guile from fucking Street Fighter. <laughs> guile. That's funny. <laughs> to then fucking. The crow. You reached way back. Yeah. You reached way back for that it's, one. It's the, you know, sonic boom. <laughs> hey, <Oaken. laughs> you know, it's the yoga fire. Dude, have you yoga seen flame. have you seen <laughs> on Facebook that I keep getting this ad for it's like a USB stick that's got like five hundred old school games on it? Oh, no. Have you seen that at all? No. I'm not gonna lie, that thing's fifty bucks. I'm thinking about buying it. Hell yeah. It's got like fucking uh Pac-Man, Mario, Dang. Street Fighter, Contra. I saw oh, Contra on the like, yeah. I was like, dude. Then I got all mad. I was like, fuck Contra. <laughs> that game was unbeatable. And if you say you beat it, you're a goddamn liar. I'm yeah. sorry. Because you get you get close as fuck, dude. Oh my god. All it takes is two shots. The only dead. way you could beat. Okay, I'm not gonna say I didn't beat it. The only way you can beat that game is with that cheat code. That BBAB up down up down whatever it is. <laughs> Um, I think I did beat it using the cheat code, but I guess that doesn't really count. Right. Anyway, it's time now to do a little something we like to call The The Tale of the Tape. I jumped right into that one. I came out of nowhere. Call me. Call me Randy Orton. We're just rolling with the... We're going to have to do No Holds Barred. That's all there is to it. (laughs) All right. Brandon Lee is sensational. The year's most talked about film. Catch the explosive, action-packed hit that thrilled moviegoers and dazzled critics everywhere. Brandon Lee, Rapid Fire, plays Eric Draven, a young rock guitarist who, along with his fiancée, is brutally killed by a ruthless gang of criminals. Exactly one year after his death, Eric returns, watched over by a hypnotic crow to seek revenge, battling the evil crime lord and his band of urban thugs who must answer for their crimes. Loaded with intense non-stop action and a hot number one hit soundtrack, the crow delivers exhilarating, fast-paced entertainment. Also included, the exclusive feature out of Brandon Lee's last on-camera interview, including never-before-seen footage conducted shortly before his untimely death. The best movie of its kind since the original Batman, Chicago Tribune. 
damn you hear that batman plug right and you got the laser disc down there it's all yeah oh man there's some there's some spirit world stuff going on here right, so that. shout out to you will spirit world <laughs> so yeah that's the back of the vhs tape this was a re-release vhs obviously it wasn't the because they're plugging uh well we'll talk about what's on the tape here in a minute um I watched the afterward stuff, the uh, last interview with Brandon Lee, and I just want to say that it was haunting. It was really, really haunting because, dude, oh, my God. So, uh, of course, this movie is about someone coming back from the dead, and he's like, I really had fun with this character because nobody knows how you act. When right. you come back from the dead, there's no, like, it's never happened, so nobody, there's right. no one way to act. So I really had room to do pretty much whatever I wanted with it and, and really get into it. And he goes, and I really got into this mindset, like, it's the little things that are important. Mm-hmm. He goes, like, how many more birthdays are you going to see? How many more full moons? 20? 30? You know, and he's like, how many more... uh Memories are you going to have of your childhood? Like that one defining moment in your childhood, that one afternoon that was perfect, that kind of defined you as a person. How many more times are you going to be able to remember that? Five or six? You know, you don't know. He goes, none of us know when our lives are going to end. And I was like, holy shit. That's crazy. Right. It really fucked with me a little bit. It's almost, you know, foreshadowing. Yeah, like crazy. And he was all happy about it and, you know, laughing and, you know, he's smoking his cigarette and talking about it. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a little, little haunting. That's crazy. So, like, when it comes down, when I look at this movie, I think of, like, I think this is, like, the embodiment of fucking grunge. You know, music of aesthetics. 90s style. Like, like it yeah. is, it is that. Um, and it, it's crazy. I didn't notice when I was younger, but, you know, now, you know, watching it again, I'm like, there's a lot of, like, certain mannerisms. You're like, that's Bruce Lee's kid. Oh, yeah. If you would have watched this interview Mm -hmm. at the end of this tape that I have, um, he's talking. And if you ever saw a Bruce Lee interview, Uh he meters his words and stuff exactly like the way Bruce Lee talked. Yep. And he moves his jaw like that, Bruce, Wee, that's Bruce Lee. Had, yeah, he had a certain way he moved his jaw, and he dude, he talks just like it. It's crazy. And then there's certain there's oh, certain angles from like his you know that they capture you know from the sides. Right. You're like, yeah, that's that's Lee's kid for sure. Exactly. For sure. I remember the first time hearing that you know Brandon Lee was Bruce Lee's son. I was like, what? And then. And he really, he was, this really, he had only done a couple movies before this. He had done Rapid Fire, and he had done, the big one I remember, Showdown in Little Tokyo with Dolph Lundgren, which was awful, but it was funny. Um, But um, Rapid Fire, I don't really remember that well. I think I only saw it once. So check this out. On this VHS, these Uh, are the previews I got. I got a preview for The Crow City of Angels. (laughs) And if you guys remember that movie don't um if you haven't seen the movie good for you uh it's all it's it's it does not live up to the crow at all i don't think anyway i remember Um, the trailer for the movie right he's he's riding a fucking motorcycle up the side of a building 
I think you're right. Yeah, that was that was yeah. the only thing that I remember. Oh my god, he's that because it's like it, it's almost like some Ghost Rider type shit. Yeah, except Ghost Rider was entertaining. Right. This movie was boring. the The second Crow movie, like City of Angels, it and, was so and boring. Dude's accent in the movie. Yeah, I only I watched it was, once, and I, I barely I, made it through. I it. can't even say that, and that's hard. That's that's hard to say for you because you you I watch know. fucking paint dry, and you're like, damn, this is entertaining. <laughs> you're, what was the movie the other day? A couple of weeks back, the uh, fucking snake one. <laughs> snake, oh my god! Uh, snake. Uh, it was uh, Snake out of Compton. <laughs> I want to say the only reason snake I just I just want to <laughs> prerequisite that by saying the only reason I finished that movie oh, is because my kids were begging me to finish it. Oh, they were like, "No, we can't shit. stop it now." I'm like, "You damn the hell we can't!" <laughs> but we didn't. We watched it. Oh gosh! See, I got the Crow City of Angels. Guess, get this. How weird is this? I got the preview again for Halloween Six. Oh, which shit. is the preview I got on the last tape we watched. Right. Same exact preview. So you got to think this is well. Depending on when this this tape came out again, it has to be after '96. Well, this of, was probably okay. Here's what I'm guessing happened. If I think about movie and companies and production companies, yes, did, did what's yes, been, okay, absolutely. So, this tape probably got re-released uh-huh. just so people would watch Crow City of Angels. Right. You know what I mean? That's that why the sense. preview's on there, and that's this was probably the re-release that happened right around that time. It makes sense. So that was 1996, mm-hmm. which is the same year From Dust Till Dawn came exactly. out. Exactly. Even though the movie was made in 94. Right. So I don't have the original release on the VHS. I would think that, and then again, they're both from the same you know, fucking company. Exactly. So it makes sense. Yep. So yeah, same exact Halloween 6 trailer. <laughs> okay, so... Look at us getting good with this shit. Right. This might be a Mother's Day thing here. The next one, I got one called um, from. It's a Jamie Lee Curtis movie. Okay. Called Mother's Boys. Mother's Boys. And apparently, Jamie Lee Curtis is like the stepmom, and he gets back with the real mom or something, and she goes crazy, and she's trying to kill the step, the real mom, or. Damn. All I know is Jamie Lee Curtis looked pretty hot in it. I'm not even gonna lie. Can we do Mrs. Doubtfire? <gasps> We could do Miss. I have it. I have it on VHS. I absolutely do. That would be a great Mother's Day movie. Even though it's father, dude. Know. And we're we're due for a comedy. We haven't right. really done a com. Well, Barnes Attacks was kind of a comedy, but it more of a sci-fi movie. Right. Uh, but we haven't done an out-and-out comedy. Right. Ah, oh, you might be honest on there, Miss yeah. Dow. Oh hello. Oh hello. Look, I've only been a woman for a day. I'm already having hot flashes. <laughs> I do. Oh, oh my god, shit. I do that all the time. I'm like. It was a Jedi by Fruitin. I saw it. <laughs> I seen him do it. <laughs> Yo, like classic Robin Williams, man. Dude, R. seriously. So uh, I got a preview for The Puppet Masters, which was not the full moon release about the killer puppets, which is disappointing because I love those movies. The Puppet Masters is a Donald Sutherland movie. Donald Sutherland. And yeah, and it looks like a total like spy versus spy type. It actually looked really interesting. And here's the thing. I think I own this movie. Oh shit. But I'm not exactly sure. I've got like six boxes in the garage that came with the seven hundred tapes because I kind of went through and picked out the stuff I thought looked cool or I haven't seen that I want to see or that I knew about already. And there's a bunch of stuff down there either I hadn't heard of or I was kinda eh iffy on it. 
Because honestly, guys, I've got enough tapes. We can keep doing this podcast indefinitely. Right. So I figured once we get further down the road, I can start pulling out an obscure one every now and then. Random But I think, I'm pretty sure that Puppet Masters movie is down there. Okay. I think. So anyway, the next preview I got, and I love this, Ed Wood. Ed Wood? Remember Ed Wood? Did you ever see that? Never. Do you know who Ed Wood is? No. Do you know a movie called Plan 9 from Outer Space? Nope. Return of the Monster? Possibly. Okay. All right. Ed Wood was a director in the 50s. Okay. He did a movie called Plan 9 from Outer Space. Mm -hmm. It is called The Citizen Kane of Bad Movies. Damn. Which means it is hailed as the best worst movie ever made. Right. Like, there were literally cardboard tombstones on the set, like, falling over while they were filming. But... um. He did that one. He did one with Tor Johnson called Return of the Monster. Tor Johnson was an old, uh, big, like, uh, King Kong Bundy-looking dude. Damn. Um, Plan 9 from Outer Space had Vampira in it. He also had Tor Johnson in it. Um, he also did a movie that I have on VHS that I would love to cover, but I don't know how we would, called Orgy of the Dead. <laughs> and all it is, it's like a... A horror belly dancing show, pretty much. Like it, it's in a graveyard, uh-huh. and like a ghoulish looking ghoul woman will come out and do a dance to like the '60s, like erotic music type stuff. And then the the guy narrating tells about her story, about what happened in her life and how she died, and and all this. And then the next one will come out, and it's a fucking cool movie. I just don't know how we would really cover it, right? But um, and the the name in itself orgy of the dead is freaking awesome i think it's on that shelf right there next to you anyway they made a movie about edward's life starring johnny depp nice and as you can imagine it's fucking awesome johnny depp's in it bill murray's in it um oh man the guy's name was just on the tip of my tongue and just went away um Oh, he's an old actor, but he plays uh, Bella Lugosi, and he kills it because Ed Wood found Bella Lugosi living in squalor after his movie career and put him in his movies because he was like one of his favorite actors. Damn, that's badass! And really revitalized his career at the end of his of Bella Lugosi's life. That's badass. Yeah, and it's it's really a lot about the uh, relationship between Ed Wood and Bella Lugosi, which is really sad and really entertaining at the same time, though. Because Bella Lugosi had lost his wife, and he was living in this little one-room house, and he was sad, and he didn't have anything yeah. to do. And Ed Wood kind of gave him some purpose. some purpose again. Yeah, it's really cool. And, oh, uh, and, and that movie's what? Like, uh, probably 95, 96. So this is Gilbert Grape? Yes. Uh, yeah, it was right when Johnny Depp was in that era when he was... Every movie he did was really weird. Like, he did um, Dead Man mm-hmm. and uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And like all the movies, he, oh, uh, Crybaby. Right, and then fucking Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, Edward Scissorhands. It's like all the movies he he was taking like every weird role he could get his hands on. Uh-huh. No, no pun intended. He <laughs> could get his scissor hands on. I don't even know how two women would make love unless they did some kind of scissor thing. Scissor thing. <laughs> so uh, that was the last preview I got was Ed Wood, which was really cool because it's a, it's a cool-ass movie. And I would like to – we could actually cover Ed Wood, the movie. That would be neat. Okay. Because there's parts in the movie, like they talk about the tombstones falling, like the cameraman be like, you want to reshoot that? He's like, why? He goes, 
those tombstones are obviously made of cardboard and one just fell over and he keeps all through the movie he goes movies aren't about the details it's about the larger story so he like had no care whatsoever what it looked like as long as the story was being conveyed it's really really cool i love that movie Sounds so like anyway dolomite shit Right, well, I don't know. Uh, that's a whole different. Uh, shit. Yeah, I know, right? It's all cheap. You're like, is man, I wish I had, dude. The, if I had dolomite, is that the microphone up there? Dude, if I had dolomite, we'd cover that shit. <laughs> drive, motherfucker, drive. I have a lot of that shit, but it's on it's on DVD, <laughs> and it doesn't fit the format of our podcast. So, right, I've that got one. Funny, though. I've got one with like three Jim Lee movies on it. Damn. Remember Jim Lee like, from? Uh, uh, you guys would know him from Enter the Dragon. He was the black yeah. dude with an awesome afro. Big, tall, lanky motherfucker. He karate yeah. the shit out of some people, though. I love kung fu movies. I fucking love kung fu movies. <laughs> fucking love them. Right. I don't know if I put a good enough emphasis on that. Anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So before we jump into the movie, I would like to talk about some of the other stuff. This movie was actually based on a graphic novel by James O'Barr called mm-hmm. The Crow. Um it was really, really, it's good. I've read it. It's a graphic novel. It's in black and white. Total 90s, like Sandman, Neil Gaiman type stuff. Damn. Really good. Um, it had, like I said, a hit soundtrack. Oh, my God. With uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Fucking My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult is on there. I fucking love them. Um, what was it? Uh, Nine Inch Nails. Of course. Is on there. Um Jesus and Mary Chain. Oh, my God. You All kinds of freaking... uh, I've got the whole list right here. Yeah, The Cure is on there. Machines of Loving Grace, Rage Against the Machine, Violent Femmes, Rollins Band, Helmet, Pantera. Um, um, And here's the thing. Jane Sibbery is the one that sings It Can't Rain All the Time. Mm -hmm. That song is a hard listen. And I know that was the main song in the movie. But when you try to listen to the actual song, and they played a little bit of it that was supposed to be from Hangman's Joke, which was Brandon Lee's band in the movie, where he's like, it can't rain all, all the, the time. time. Right. But <clears throat> the actual song, it's a it's a girl singing, and it's not very upbeat, and it's really depressing, and it's five minutes and 31 seconds long. Damn. And it's a little hard to hear. Like It's hard to listen to. And I swear, and i got to go back and check this out. It might have been Violent Femmes I was hearing but I swear to God, I kept hearing Smashing Pumpkins in this movie, but they're not on the soundtrack, so I could be wrong. Damn. That might have been Violent Femmes, because the lead singer of that band kind of sounds like Billy Corgan sometimes, maybe? Anyway. I'll take your word for it. That's good. It also spawned a series of novels, not graphic novels, but actual novels, um, that I've read every single one of, by really? the way. I'm a huge fan of this movie, in case you guys hadn't guessed. If you were on my Instagram, you saw my Crow action figure mm-hmm. standing next to the tape. Um, there were a bunch of novelizations of different people that became the Crow, and I've read every single one of these. Damn. Um, the names of the books were The Lazarus Heart, um, Quote the Crow, Temple of Night, and Clash by Night. Really, really good stories. Lazarus Heart was written by my favorite author of all time, Poppy Z. Bright, who um, is actually, she was a woman when she wrote this book, but she's a man now. That's a whole other story, I guess. We can get into it another time. Oh, damn. But she wrote really, really good serial killer horror, um, really, because she had gone to school to be um, like a uh, medical examiner, 
or something like that, a mortician or something having to do with like anatomy like that. So she knew a lot about like anatomy and how wounds really happened. And there's, she writes really, really good stories. Um, she wrote a good, a couple of good vampire books. She wrote a couple of good, really serial killer books. She did a short story book called, are you loathsome tonight? And it is freaking amazing. There's a story in there called Calcutta Lord of nerves that Damn. is all about, um, when the zombie outbreak happens, like the zombies start coming back from the dead, but it's based in India and in Calcutta. When the dead start coming back to life in Calcutta, it's oh my god! So they're coming up like the Gandhi's River and shit like dude, that. Dude, yeah, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, and the kids like fantasizing oh, about Kali and all this crazy shit. It's such a good oh, it's such a good book. If you can find it, maybe you can listen to. Oh, sorry. If you can find it, <laughs> it's called "Are You Lonesome Tonight" by Poppy Z Bright. Anything that says Poppy Z Bright on it, buy it. I guarantee you, it's good. So that being said. Um, this movie was released in 1994. It stars Brandon Lee, the late son of the late Bruce Lee. We're going to go a little bit into the, uh, story about that in a little bit. Uh, Rochelle Davis, Ernie Hudson. You may remember Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. He played Winston. That was not Eddie Murphy. I'm sorry to tell you. Um, there's a big <laughs> joke out there. Oh yeah. Eddie Murphy. in it. I, I almost made a shirt one time because Ernie Hudson was going to be at Comic-Con. Mm. I almost made him a shirt that said Eddie Eddie Murphy was not in Ghostbusters. But <laughs> I, anyway, Ernie Hudson's really cool. I actually met him. He's a really, really cool dude. Um, Bai Ling is in this movie. Do you know who Bai Ling is? Um, I assume it's the chick. It's it's the it's the, the Asian chick that's uh-huh. with the dude. Right. But um, Bai Ling, I guess she's been in a lot of like... Uh, movie yeah yeah like i have a friend named hal and he thinks bai ling is the hottest chick on the face of the planet damn and i never really saw it but apparently a lot of people agree with him um david patrick kelly is in this movie gotcha i will remind you who he is by saying warriors come Come out out to play yes that's awesome i love that you knew that hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah and the best line he had in the warriors when they were like why'd you do it man why'd you waste cyrus he goes i don't know i just like doing things like that (laughs) (laughs) it was the warriors it was the warriors man Uh, I need to find that on VHS so we can cover it. For sure. I have like two versions of it on DVD, but I don't have it on VHS and I need to get it because that's one movie. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. From like front from front to back. Oh yeah. That that fucking movie. Can you dig it? For sure. Like that movie is for sure. Badass. He was also, if you've ever seen Dreamscape. Yep. He was the Cobra guy in Dreams, the guy that turned into the Cobra Man in Dreamscape. I, that freaked the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like, he's one of those people that he just has that distinctive He always face. plays an asshole. Yeah, he's like, an asshole. All he's, the time. Either, it's either he's an asshole or he's a creep. So he was T-Bird in this movie. Yep. There ain't no coming back, man. There ain't no coming <laughs> back. This is the really real world. There ain't no coming back. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so also the Candyman is in this movie, mm-hmm. Tony Todd. Uh, from the Candyman movies. Tony Todd is also really, really awesome. I've met him, too. He's a nice. cool fucking dude. And he is as, like, foreboding in real life as he is in all these movies. Hi, really? how you doing? It's good to meet you, too. Fucking oh my God. Final Destination. Dude, oh, my God. He's so awesome. He is a class act. Really, really cool dude. Uh, 
Um, nice. Lawrence Mason is in this movie. Um, Michael Wincott. Um, He's from fucking, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, <laughs> what movie? Aliens Resurrection. I yes. Uh, it's so funny because you remember him from that. I remember him as, as the bumbling cousin from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, he is. Remember, and he's like, I don't understand, cousin. Why a spoon? Because like, it's dull. It'll hurt more, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> fucking awesome. That and um, if I'm not mistaken, he's from fucking um, one of my favorite movies. It's, a, it's actually a remake. It's um, uh, Count the Monte Cristo. Oh, I've never seen that. So with, it's with Jim Caviezel. It's actually a, it's a remake, oh. and um, he's the Jim Caviezel. Is that right? The guy from the first one. Yeah. So that's funny because it's it's. You crazy Jesus! You crazy! So in the movie, he's the he's the fucking the warden of a prison or whatever. Oh yeah. shit. Pretty badass. So, Michael Massey is in this movie. Gotcha. And as we're going to find out when we do the trivia, Michael Massey is the guy that killed Brandon Lee. What? I mean, it was an accident, but he's the guy that fired the gun that killed Brandon Lee. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because uh, I, I, for, he for played, a second, I had a brain fart. No, he played Fun Boy. Gotcha. And it was that scene where he had the he had the forty five, and he, sh- he puts his hand over it and he shoots him. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and it says in the trivia that he wouldn't do any movies for like a year or so after that. And 12 years later when they talked to him about it, he says he still has nightmares about it. Damn. Even though everybody everybody has assured him it wasn't his fault, it's still, dude, I'm yeah. the guy that pulled the trigger. That's got to be hard. So that sucks. I fucking killed a man. Right? Mama, oh, my God. I just killed See, a See, it's funny because you went there and I went, <laughs> I went to, here is something you can't understand. How I, I can just kill, kill a man. man. <laughs> you went queen. I went Cypress Hill. That's hilarious. Right. All right. So the budget for this movie was $23 million. You, gotta, you have to say that with you know with your pinky next to you. It's kind of what lips. I was trying to go for. $23 million. <laughs> uh, its opening weekend gross was $11 million. Uh, worldwide gross was 50 So uh, not the biggest hit, I guess. So, it, it, I, I, well, if it spawned a sequel, that means they, they, they felt that it made enough money. Well, you know what happened, I think. This is one of those movies that didn't do that great at the box office, but became a cult hit afterwards. Gotcha. Especially, especially with, with the death of Brandon Lee and everything else. Ever, yeah. Um, I actually went and saw this movie on opening weekend. Damn. Yeah. I, I was hot for this movie because they had been playing that Stone Temple Pilots song on the radio mm-hmm. that we played right at the beginning of the show. When we started talking, time to take it home. <laughs> Um, they had been playing that song on the radio for like two months before this movie even came out. I mean, they did really a job at pushing it, like, like coming gotcha. upcoming movie, The Crow, you know. And I even knew reading the back of it, yeah, you know, they were they were talking about right you know, the and and I knew about The Crow already because I had read the the Obar no. comic books, and yeah, I was like all hyped and excited about it. So yeah, I went and saw this the weekend it opened, Badass. and then. Um, so that was the uh, yeah fifty million against against twenty three right. So uh, I heard a rumor. I don't know if this is totally true. Okay. That um, John Bon Jovi was originally the person they wanted to be in this movie. 
as the crow. I'm a cowboy. And I'm, yeah, I'm a steel horse I ride. And I want it. Dead or alive. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm really glad they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Get this. Um, James O'Barr stated that, um, where's it at? I was trying to look. The, oh, the uh, executives at the movie company, they originally wanted to make this a musical starring Michael Jackson. He immediately laughed uncontrollably, thinking it was a joke, only to find out that they were quite serious. Yeah. They wanted to make it a Michael Jackson musical. What the hell? How? I don't know. Um, It wasn't until Brandon Lee and director Alex Proyas came on board that the movie took a more serious role. Are you okay? Are you okay? Like, like how do you... So, okay, okay. (laughs) I'm the crow, Shimon. 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 Gonna moonwalk you back to life. I'm stuck with the man (laughs) in the mirror. Starring Michael Jackson. All right, coming this summer, (laughs) Michael Jackson in a Spike Lee joint. All over your grave. (laughs) (laughs) Good crew, come on! (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Oh, this is this is a. It would look like Dirty Diana. The fucking oh, God. <laughs> Dirty Diana. Oh, the, yeah. the way you make me feel. The way walking. you make me feel. It's actually my favorite Michael Jackson song. Badass. That and uh, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Well, Those... re- remember the time. That's oh, shit. yeah. That's that was good, too. Shit. Those are my two favorites. But holy fuck, like. Yeah. What the hell are they thinking? Yeah. Okay, so although he was not at fault for the death of Brandon Lee, Michael Massey stopped acting for a year because he was so traumatized by the incident. His next film was a small role in the movie Seven. Um, up until his death in 2016, he had never watched the film. I didn't know he. Damn. I didn't know until to, I was today years old when I knew he died. I didn't know Michael yeah, Massey was, was dead. Yeah. Um, but he never watched the final cut of the movie. He refused. Um, this is cool. The director Alex Proyas originally wanted to shoot the entire movie in black and white closer to the comics and only using color in Draven's flashback scenes with high contrast. Damn. But the studio executives didn't want him to experiment with that approach. Um, dude, this movie would have been bomb-ass in black and white. Hell yeah, especially with the... So, just the cinematography of it all um, being black and white and then with it having really, really, really vivid flashbacks. Well, I think the flashbacks, like as a washed out frame, kind of like they did it, would have been good. That's badass. So here's the thing. I have a friend. Remember the Mad Max movie that came out a few, Fury Road? With, uh, yeah. A couple uh, couple years ago? With, uh, what's his name? Jim Caviezel? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Caviezel? Is that it? Uh, what is his name? I know who you're talking about. I can't Uh, think of it either. And Charlize Theron? (laughs) Uh. That one movie with Charlize Theron, where she only has one arm. (laughs) Charlize one arm Theron. Anyway, um, I have a friend that's a really, really good um, digital editor. Uh-huh. I'm not going to mention his name, but shout out to you. Um, you know who you are. He redid that entire movie, Mad Max Fury Road, uh-huh. um, into a version called Black, Shiny, and Chrome. That's badass. And that's a badass name. Just, just Dude, and he did it all in black and white, and he kind of white, he washed over with the blue. It's really crazy, but... It looks so good. 
I will not watch any other version of that movie now because it's, it's not the same. To be honest, just think. I'm gonna let you borrow it. I'm gonna dig it out and let yeah, you borrow it, please. Um, because it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Especially the the father dude with the long hair and like the mask on his face when he's like, "Do not become addicted to water," <laughs> dude. That whole thing. Every time they show him, he's just like silver, and it's like, "Oh shit, that looks badass." But yeah, it's it's freaking cool. Anyway. That's badass. Like, that's super badass. Did you knock your mic out? I don't know what I did. You hear that? Yeah, that little. I fixed it. Oh, um, wait. Did you fix it? Yeah, I don't hear it. I fixed it. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but uh, I hit my mic and it started doing something weird. I really want to save up and get new mics, like those knock cool, it. like freaking silver, like oh, yeah. podcasting mics. I know which ones you're talking that's about. That's going to happen eventually. Eventually. We'll start a Patreon or Hell something. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so Brandon Lee, and this was a big controversy for a lot of years. A lot of people argued about what scene he died in. Everybody thought it was that one where he was on the table uh-huh. and everybody was just shooting at him randomly. But it was actually the scene with Fun Boy. Um, it was a mishap on set. The scene required a gun to be loaded, cocked, and then pointed at the camera. Because of the close range of the shot, the dummy cartridges loaded had real brass caps and a bullet, but no powder. After the cut, the props master, not the arms master, he had left the set for the day, dry-fired the gun to get the cock off, (laughs) knocking the projectile bullet into the barrel of the gun, but it didn't exit the barrel. It was still there. The projectile part was still there, and he didn't know it. The next scene to be filmed was involving the gun um, was when he gets shot. The gun was loaded with blanks, which usually contain double or triple the powder of a normal cartridge to make a loud noise. Lee entered the set carrying a bag of groceries containing an explosive blood pack. The script called for Fun Boy to shoot Eric Draven as he entered the room, triggering the blood pack. The bullet that struck that was stuck in the barrel was blasted at Lee through the bag he was carrying, killing him. The footage of his death was subsequently developed and used as evidence in the investigation into his death. As part of the lawsuit settlement, the footage was later destroyed. Lee is the son of martial arts legend Bruce Lee, but wow, it was such um, a bunch of perfect wow. storm of errors right. that the projectile got stuck and had the weapons master been there, he would have caught it, but the prop guy didn't think about it reloaded it so when they fired the blanket fired the projectile and actually killed him and it and you have to think you know with three times the force yeah because it's saying that you know they would you know they would pack it with powder two or three times the amount so you can have a fucking pebble in there and it's lethal right so here are a list of the scenes that they had to complete after brandon lee's death um, when Draven first enters the apartment after digging himself out of the grave, the footage of Lee walking through an alley in the rain was digitally composed into the scene where he walks through the doorway. Computer tech added drops of water to the doorframe to make the water on his back not seem out of place. The shot of Eric Draven falling from the window was made by digitally composing Lee's face, complete with simulated blood onto a body double. Damn. Is it my headphones or is it my microphone? I don't know. I can hear it too. Technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. All oh, right. it stopped again. Okay, we're going to call that good. Yeah. 
Okay, so the scene where Eric Draven uh, puts on his makeup was filmed using a body double. The face in the smashed mirror was Lee's. Computer altered to fit the shards. The image of Draven walking towards the window with the crow on his shoulder was a double with Lee's face added during lightning flashes. That was a cool scene, too. I made notes about that one. When Sarah visits the apartment, we never see Draven's face as it's a double. That's why they showed the shadow on the wall when she was like, you don't care. And then they show the shadow and he's like, I do care. And then he's hugging her and you just see the back of his head. That's why. Wow. But the weird thing about that mirror thing is, so Bruce Lee died in the same fashion. There was a gun that should have had blanks in it and had a live round in it. That was during the Chinese connection. I think it was the Chinese connection. If I'm wrong, don't yell at me. But I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But I remember they did the same thing in a mirror. I think it was 1978. Yeah. said something up there. It was something else. They did the same thing Uh in a mirror scene with Bruce Lee where they had a guy sitting there and they digitally put his face. But it was the 60s or 70s. So, like, it was the 70s. So it looked really bad. It was You could tell it was fake and you could tell the body double was fake. But it was the same kind of shots and stuff. That's really weird. So there's a rumor that it is some kind of weird Chinese family curse because um, Bruce Lee was exposing parts of the martial arts that were kind of sacred and weren't supposed to be shown to the general public. Damn. That's just a, a rumor, though. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, Damn, that's cr- and it's and what what adds to the the mystique of this whole fucking movie is he dies on set like he's dead. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's like shit, like in the same fashion of his dead. Right. You know, loaded gun while on set. You know, like it's fucking crazy. Like when I remember um, finding out again that that's Bruce Lee's son and that he died, I'm like, holy shit! Like, you would think that you know Bruce Lee must have like owed somebody some money or something like that. Well, get this: River Phoenix and Christian Slater also turned down the role of Eric Draven. Good. River Phoenix, who would die right a year or so after this, right? That's so weird. I'm like, so so I like Christian Slater. My only issue with him is. He plays the same fucking guy right. in every fucking. I actually movie. think, I actually think River Phoenix. Uh huh. This could have been his breakout role. Okay, I, 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 I you think that. he would have been good in this. Because he, he has the he has the aura of it, and he has that look. Yeah. Makes sense. So even though the movie is based on the comic called The Crow, none of the birds used in the film were actually crows. All of them were in fact ravens, which are much larger than crows and have a longer, more impressive beak. Kind of figured. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm like, because when you look at it, it's like Edgar Allan Poe. You you automatically right. think. Well, he, yeah, he actually quotes Poe uh-huh. in the movie. Um, prior to filming, Brandon Lee had somewhat of a morbid fascination with death. He would often drive around in a hearse he owned, visit famous graves, and would listen to the doors. I don't know what the doors has to do with that. but um, Didn't what's-his-name die? Oh, Jim Morrison? Yeah. Yeah, but he was buried in France. I'm saying it, you know. Possibly that. I don't fucking know. Possibly. Dude, this drives me nuts. Right? I keep getting some weird feedback. I don't know what it is. I don't even know if it's... I might be doing this for nothing. I don't even know if it's it's, if it's coming across on the... No, I don't know if it's even coming across on the recording. This is our tech stuff, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and get into the movie now. 
because I think we, uh, we're like at an hour. So I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. So I put my spectacles on. Spectacles. Because I'm an old man. All right. So we got credits. The credits come on and we get a wide shot of a burning city and it's Devil's Night. And we get a date, October 30th, Devil's Night. And it pans over the city. You hear a little girl's voice, and she's telling the whole crow story. Legends say that when someone dies, if their death is extremely sad or unjust, you know, the crow can bring them back. You know what I mean? That mm -hmm. whole thing. The crow can bring them back from the other side. And it's you know that it's the voice of Sarah, the little girl from the movie. Right. Um, people once believed, blah, blah, blah. So... Um, then you see some broken glass and a broken window, and it's like a crime scene. And who shows up? Who's the cop? Winston from Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Dude, I don't even know what his name was in this movie anymore. I just wrote Winston the entire time. Like, Winston <laughs> showed up. Winston's eating a donut. Winston did this. Winston did that. So whenever I say Winston, just know I'm talking about Ernie Hudson. Um, so there's flashing pictures. Um, he picks up a wedding invitation. So you kind of seeing like flashing pictures of the bodies. There's a body on the ground down below. There's one in the apartment, the apartment's trashed and there's a wedding invitation and he reads it and it's like Shelly and Eric are getting married. So, you know, you're invited to the wedding of Shelly Weber and Eric Draven. Um, and then the, one of the cops that's looking at it goes, cause they're supposed to get married on Halloween. So they were getting married the next day because Devil's Night is October 30th. And the guy goes, uh, one of the cops is like, who gets married on Halloween? And then Ernie Hudson looks all sad. And he's like, nobody, because they weren't going to get married because they were dead. Right. So then Shelly shows up and she's all fucked up because she knows something happened. And Eric's on the sidewalk. And uh, I mean, Shelly, they're wheeling. I'm sorry. Sarah comes up and she's all fucked up because Eric's on the sidewalk and they're wheeling Shelly out of the building. Shelly's still alive. Mm -hmm. She's been brutally beaten and raped. And raped, yep. And um, they, they're wheeling her out and Sarah's like, what's going on? What's going on? And then he's like, it's okay. It's okay. And then she's like, Shelly's going, tell Eric it's going to be okay. Tell Eric it's going to be okay. And she's like, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. So they put her in the ambulance and drives away and Sarah's like, you lied to her about, it. oh, he goes, your sister's going to be okay. And she goes, she's not my sister. She just takes care of me. He goes, oh, well, she's going to be okay. And he goes, you lied to her about Eric. And he goes, I had to, because he didn't want to tell her, you know, Eric's dead. Right. And then she goes, and you're lying to me about Shelly. Uh. And he's like, you know what, kid? Fuck off. Who are you going to call? <laughs> anyway. So, you know, he's kind of trying to reassure her that it's going to be okay, even though we all know it's not going to be. So now we cut to one year later. Mm -hmm. um, this is a really cool shot of the graveyard with the tombstone and the crow lands on top of the tombstone. Mm -hmm. And I love the ambiance of this movie. Mm -hmm. It's not black and white, but it's damn close. It's damn close very monochromatic. Sure. Very, it's Grunge. all, yeah, it's all blacks and dark grays. It almost makes you think of like some Seattle type Rain, shit. and yeah, because this was 94. It was mm -hmm. right, right in the middle of that whole grunge thing. Very grungy, very cool movie. Really appealing to people my age that were into that kind of thing. Very gothy at the same time, you know. So they show Sarah now. She's at Eric's grave and Shelly's grave. Right. And she's kind of visiting them. 
and then the crow lands on Eric's tombstone, and it's very gray, very rainy, and Shelly leaves, and then we cut to Winston, and he's eating a hot dog, and they're having um, he's having a talk with the dude selling the hot dog, and the guy's like, "What this place needs is a natural disaster." <laughs> Foreshadowing much? Right. You know, I saw that totally as foreshadowing. He's like, we need like a hurricane or a tornado or something to shake everything up and pretty much saying it's coming. Right. Like, that's your that's your cue that something's gonna happen, your natural disaster is on the way. So Sarah shows up. Supernatural disaster. Hey, I like that. <laughs> Dude, that could be our like supernatural disaster podcast. Oh, Dude. Shit. Like when we start doing, yeah, when we start doing our paranormal one, that's a little foreshadowing for you. Dang, guys. we got to write that down so we don't You're forget. Damn right. So then, uh, Winston uh, is eating his hot dog, and then Sarah shows up, and he's like, he's telling the guy, "I don't want mustard or whatever," and he's like, "What do you want in your hot dog?" And you kind of get the feeling that Winston's been looking out for her for the past year since Shelly and Eric have been gone because right. they're kind of palling around and laughing. He buys her a hot dog, makes sure she eats. And then she's like, everything except onions. Onions make you fart. <laughs> and I thought that was very important to write down, just so all you guys know. Onions make you fart. So then we sh- we shift to uh, the thugs. The main thugs in the movie, T-Bird and his crew, are torching a shop. And they're setting a bomb right. in the shop. And then we go back to the crow on Eric's grave. And Eric's digging himself out of the ground. And... um they keep shooting back and forth between him digging himself out and them getting ready to light the shop up. It keeps going back and forth like three or four times. And then Eric's in an alley and it's raining, of course. And he's, he's all stumbling and he's shit. in his funeral clothes. Like the back of his suit wasn't even complete because it's just the suit they buried him in. Right. It, the jacket's in half and he's peeling off like his funeral garb kind of, you know, and, um, the crow is kind of leading him around, and you kind of realize that they're communicating in the same kind of way because the crow will land on something and be like, caw, 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 and Eric will follow him over there, and then he'll land somewhere else, caw, caw, and then he goes that way. So then we go back to the um, thugs, and they drive by Winston and Sarah sitting there eating a donut they, or a hot dog. dog. Sorry. <laughs> Cop. Yeah. They go driving by, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. There's a huge explosion. And he's like, oh, and he's trying to call it in. We got an explosion, blah, blah, blah. So then back to Eric following the crow around, and the crow leads him back to his old apartment, Mm -hmm. which is still taped off with police tape and caution and all that, and it's still trashed. All the stuff is still in there. Um, This is what I found funny. For some reason, Eric goes into the apartment. For some reason, their damn cat is still there. Because the little white cat comes out, like, oh, Conrad, or whatever the cat's name was. Um, I can't remember the cat's name. But um, why is the cat still in the apartment? How is it still alive so, after a year? Me and, you, me and you talked about this you know, off off mic uh, like a week or two ago. Uh-huh. My biggest issue with the whole dead scene thing is you've been dead a year and you come back looking fresh. Well, that's the thing. The, mm-hmm. the crow does that. The magic that brings you back with the crow Gotcha. Because in the books, it's funny you say that. I just took my glasses off. Damn. In the novels, uh-huh. 
it actually describes them coming back to life, like their skin coming back together and their blood starting to flow oh. and them coming back. Like the, the one Lazarus lady, heart or whatever the Lazarus is. heart was, oh, that book was so good. But the one clash by night, uh-huh. she, it was a lady and she was a school teacher. Wow. And she was teaching like, um, you said, uh, underprivileged or inner city kids, or inner something. city kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. And these racist guys, blow up the school mm-hmm. and blow her up. She gets blown up and they talk about her body coming back together in the grave so she can come back as the crow. And then when she comes out, like there's little lines and stuff all over her body with the skin reconnected wow. because she was literally in pieces because she blew up. Damn. Yeah. It's if you guys are into reading books, find every crow novel and read it because they're all different. The one crow is like I said, a school teacher. And then there's a guy the other one is, um, it's a guy that gets killed because he was. Is it, kinda, is it almost kind of like an anthology kind of? They're not connected. They're okay. they're self standing stories. Gotcha. That's the cool thing about it. Um, the one is about a guy that gets killed because he was gay. Wow. Um, he comes back to to get revenge on the to, people that killed him. Gay bashers. Yeah. Gay bashers. <laughs> um, another one. This kind of strikes close to home for me. The guy gets killed because he was dating a native lady. Wow. And the other native guys killed him because, you know, can't have this white man with his native, you know, like, yeah, crazy. And so he comes back and he has to get, because they kill her too. Damn. Same deal with like Eric. She gets raped and killed and he has to come back. And dude, it's, it's, the books are amazing. They're absolutely amazing. And they hold really close to the story and the movie. Gotcha. So anyway, so the cat's still there for some reason. He's still alive. Anyway, so then Eric gets his first flashback. And the flashbacks, as you remember, are just overwashed and like red. Mm -hmm. And um, pain. That's what that red is. Yeah. He's reliving the experience. The thugs are there and um, he gets stabbed. Yep. Because Tintin throws the gun and stabs it and then shoots him on top of it and Mm -hmm. sends him. And they grab him and they throw him out the window. I always thought that part where he reenacts the window part. That I'm, I've got that written down right here. Bad. But um, and then they're showing the hor- something horrible's happening to Shelly, but they right. don't really show it. Thank God. But they're showing like a lot of it through her eyes with the guys over her. Like you ready for some of this, baby? You know, like <laughs> acting all like over the top crazy. These thugs were over the top crazy, and um. So then, yeah, he, as he's reenacting falling out the window, he runs and he jumps and he grabs the window ledge and like swings upwards and then back and then he lands back in and he looks in the hand. His hands are like cut the shit out of because he was broken glass. Right. And then he watches him heal and he realizes that his wounds are going to heal now. Did you have something you wanted to add about the window scene? So just just that. And just even in that moment, it's like, holy shit. Because, again, you, you sang something about the, the washed over red. Yeah. Um, that's pain. Absolutely. You know, any anytime um, love or pain is ever depicted, it's always red. Right. You know, that's, you know, uh, or anger. I think those are usually the three that are all tied in Correct. with red. Um, and we had all three going on right there. Right. I'm about to say, you, you have to think it's, it's a mixed, you know, it's, it's a, like it's a Rob Bass was board. up in there. Joy, pump, 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 what a pain. Here it's we a, go. Here we go. It's a, um, you know, a smorgasbord of feelings in that right. moment, you know, that you're legitimately reenacting. Because I'm like, it shows him getting stabbed. It shows him getting shot. Yeah. You know? And he's he's literally going through the motions 
And then later on, not to jump ahead too much, but later on, he gets her pain, too. Yep. You know? So then we cut to the thugs. Again, this is so over the top. Um, the thugs are hanging out in a bar. Uh-huh. And they're swallowing bullets and chasing the bullets with <laughs> shots. And then Warriors, dude. Warriors! T-Bird burns his tongue with a cigar for no reason other than to do it. And be right. like, look how crazy I am. And then the whole table, fire it up, fire it up, fire it up. Oh, my God. So funny. <laughs> so then the waitress comes over and she's all fucked up. And you can tell... Um, well, you, you find out later on this is Sarah's mom. Right. But she's all fucked up, and she's on something, obviously. And then the dudes are all kind of passing her around almost. Grabbing her. Right, yeah, yeah. And shit. So then we go back to Eric, who's still having flashbacks. And it's a flashback of Shelly's kind of laying there, and he's got like a theater mask. The, the Phantom of the Opera, was it? No, it was like... It was like you know, they have the theater mask of comedy and, and tragedy, oh, 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 yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. got the tragedy mask and he's all boo, you know, like, but it looks like his face makeup is going to look later. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. R- yes. Right. Yes. Yes. So then, um, I God, like, and then, cry later. Yeah. The Chicano, <laughs> the and then there's a flashback of them laying there and she goes, I love you. And he goes, say that again. It's like, I love you. And you're like, Oh man, this fucking sucks. Right. So then, She's trying to cook dinner and it's burning and he throws a lid on and he's like, restaurant. And they're laughing. Ah, you know, it's just showing little snippets of their perfect, wonderful life together. Mm-hmm. And then um, you, she's trying her wedding dress on and she's happy about being, she's reading a bridal magazine and all this crazy shit. So then they go back to Eric and he breaks the mirror. He punches the mirror because he's mirror. pissed off. And then he's all the it's her makeup table, so all her makeup's right there. So that's when he starts putting on the white face, the white face, the the sting, the sting makeup. <laughs> so horrible because it's crow makeup that Sting right. did, not the other way around. But yeah, the the theater makeup, mm-hmm. like the mime type of thing with the black lines around the lips and everything. And I love this because they're playing the Cure while he's doing this, and it's so goth. It's such a nice goth moment. Um, so then you can see his scars when he, cause he changes cause his clothes are still there. He's putting his own clothes on right? and you can see like the bullet exit as wound. He's, as he's pulling yeah, the shirt Yeah. When he's over. pulling the shirt. Yeah. You can see like his scars from going through the window and all that shit. <laughs> and, I thought that was pretty cool. Remember him looking in the mirror cause it's the smashed mirror. Right. That's the digitally. That's the digital. Yeah, That's absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then they do the awesome shot from the window, which was also digitally placed in there, his face. He comes walking up with the crow on his shoulder and the lightning flashes, and that's when you see his face with the paint on it for the first time, and he looks all badass. So then um, and they do that shot with the crow and the makeup, and then they pan out, and then... With the raven. Yeah, (laughs) quote the raven. So then they're playing Nine Inch Nails while this is happening, which is really cool. The Hell Dead yeah. Souls, which is actually a, um, it's a cover of a, um, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Never mind. It's a cover. And everybody's yelling at me right now because they know what it is. I know what it is, too, but I can't think of it right now. Boo. Right now. Um, Joy Division. Yeah, fuck you all. It's a Joy Division <laughs> cover. <laughs> so then Yay. they show uh, Tintin's at the pawn shop. Right. Selling some shit that Hawking he just shit. ripped off from people. 
and uh, the crow's flying around, and he finds Tintin, and he kind of leads Eric to him, you know, because now you're starting to see flashes now that you realize he can see what the crow's seeing, too. Right. Like, you can see the crow vision. It's kind of like predator mm-hmm. vision, like crow vision, so he knows where he's going. So he um, heads up. He heads off uh, Tintin in an alley. Mm-hmm. He comes walking down the alley, and Tintin's like, what the hell? And he's I'll like, you real good, motherfucker. Yeah, and like he that. goes, well, for that, this is the oh. great line. He goes, Halloweeny till manana. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, he's like, come on, junkie, or whatever. He thinks he's just a crackhead. And they start fighting. And um, he, uh, he's he got the knives. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice this until I watched it again. And I don't know how I missed this because I've seen this movie so many times. The leather jacket he wears for the rest of the movie is Tintin's. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I never realized yeah. that. He fucking takes but it off. But he takes it off. Yeah. Well, he, Tintin takes it off mm-hmm. and starts throwing the knives. He's oh, like, yeah, because I he never pulls, miss. Yeah. He pulls them out. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. Eric dodges the one and then slaps the other one away. And then he throws a third one. And he catches, catches it with it. both hands. And then mm-hmm. Tintin's all of a sudden like, oh. the fuck's going on here? So then they start really fighting. And he gets him down. He get Eric gets him down against the wall, sitting down. He's like, murderer. And he's like, I didn't murder nobody. And he's like, think back. A year ago, her name was Shelly. Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, yeah. He raped her. Yeah, and he was like, oh, some bitch. He goes, I shanked her pink ass, and she loved it. <laughs> and then he gets all pissed off. And then it catches Eric off guard, and he gets the upper hand again. Mm-hmm. And then he's getting ready to kill him. And Tintin says... Let me tell you something about murder. It's fun and it's easy. And uh, that's when he starts throwing the knives. And then Eric throws one back and hits him in the shoulder with his own knife. Mm -hmm. And then he runs up and he does that great line where he says, victims, aren't we all? So then we cut back to the bar. So, you know, now some bad shit's happening to Tintin while this is going on. We cut back to the bar and... um, you see on the wall there's a picture of a band called Hangman's Joke, and it's Eric Draven's band. Mm-hmm. It's like a publicity shot of his band. And um, so uh, T-Bird, the Warriors dude, is talking to the Candyman, <laughs> Tony Todd. And he was like, arcade games went boom. And he was telling him, we, you know, we blew up the place like we were supposed to. And we finally see the big boss. He lets him go in there. Uh, well, he doesn't let him go in there. He's like, he's busy. And we finally see the big boss sitting on the on the bed. And, um, you know, it's the raspy cousin from Robin Hood. Or, you know, what is it? Count him on a Cristo? Crisco? Crisco or Cristo? Crisco is the cooking oil. <laughs> That's funny. So then they have Bai Ling in the shower. And she's naked from right. the back. And she's got some crazy tattoo on her back. And then there's a naked girl laying on the bed next to him, facing away like she's asleep. And um, he's looking at a snow. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what they're alluding to. And he's sitting there looking at a snow globe. And then Bai Ling gets out of the shower and puts a robe on. And she comes over and sits down. And then he said, my dad always told me, he's like holding the snow globe. And he's like, my dad gave me this. He goes, he told me childhood is over the moment you know you're going to die. Which I think is also like speaking of the movie itself. You right. know what I mean? Like in a in a metaphorical type of way, I think, not just childhood, but your 
Because when you're a kid, you're not thinking about death. Like, no. We're at, well, I'm at an age now. I've I've probably got I don't know. If I'm lucky, I got thirty years left. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you really start thinking about what's gonna happen when I'm gone, what are my kids gonna do? When I was five, I wasn't thinking about that shit. No. You know. Um, let's say forty years. I'd I'd like to have another forty. That'll make me eighty. Now, there we go. I'll be, right. be all right with that. You know. Anyway, but um, you, they show the snow globe, and it's a cemetery, and it looks eerily similar to the cemetery that Eric came out of. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of foreshadowing there too. Like you know, you're gonna die, and this is the motherfucker that's coming for you. Cause coming out of the cemetery that you got in your snow globe. Right. So then Bai Ling's like looks over at the girl and the thing, and she's like, "Is she asleep?" And he go and he rolls her over and she her eyes are open and she's dead. So for the BBG meter, this is the only bare boob you get in this movie. Right. Is on that chick. Right. So we'll keep a note of that. Note dually. <laughs> so um she's dead. And then he kind of chuckles and he goes, I think we broke her. <laughs> and then Bailene gets all weird and she's like, I love her eyes. They're gorgeous. And like she pulls out a knife and she's got about to cut this bitch's eyes out. It's crazy. Which is also foreshadowing yep. towards the end of the movie. We'll get to that when we get there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, she's about to cut them out. So then we cut, cut to Sarah, no pun intended. Uh, Sarah shows up at the bar where her mom is making out with, uh, what's his name, Fun Boy? Fun Boy? Yeah. The happy guy. Um, she's kind of sitting on his lap, and they're totally making out. And she comes and stands there, and she's like, hey, get yourself something to eat, huh? And she's got, like, tips on the table, and she throws some cash at her. And then um, Sarah's like, somebody already bought me dinner. The police. And then she <laughs> takes the money anyway and takes off. And Fun Boy, it's so funny. He's like, somebody already bought me dinner. The police. Like, making, like, almost like he's Mocking. a kid, too. Yeah, like, you know, like. And then she starts laughing. She's obviously high off her ass. And they start making out again. So then we cut to the pawn shop. And here comes Eric. Um, he's like knocking and the guy's like, go away. This dude, guy. dude, this guy plays an asshole sleaze, in every movie sleaze, too. Every single movie he's in. Ball oh my God. Every time. So Eric busts in and he's quoting Poe and he's like, suddenly I heard her rapping, rapping tapping at the door. on my chamber door, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, uh, he goes, I'm looking for an engagement ring. And the guy's like, fuck you. And he shoots him. <laughs> And he watches the bullet hole close up, and this is the best part. He shoots Eric, uh -huh. and he watches the wound heal. He starts going, shit on me, shit on me. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So Eric goes over there, and he stabs his hand. He yep. grabs a knife and stabs his hand into the counter. He's like, ah, shit on me. <laughs> so then um, they cut to, from that scene, they cut to, uh, Winston, and he's watching him wheel Tintin's body away to the morgue, and he's got like 85 knives sticking out of his chest. It's not that many knives, it's, but it was pretty much all his knives. All his throwing knives. Are sticking out of his chest. And um, he goes, the detective comes up, and he goes, well, can, we can rule out accidental death. And he starts kind of laughing. And the detective gets mad. And this is where you realize there's some kind of beef between the detective and Winston. Because he's like, 
you're a beat cop. You're not a detective anymore. Because in the beginning of the movie, he was a police detective. Right. Now he's wearing the blues. He's a, he's in uniform. He's about to say beat cop. So, yeah, he was like, you're a beat cop. You're not a detective anymore. You just leave the detective work to me. Blah, blah, blah. And they're kind of going back and forth. So then um, he looks up. He's like, what the hell is that? And in on the wall in blood is the drawing of the crow. <laughs> and then Winston kind of laughs. He's like, looks like graffiti to me, you know, but it's in blood. And the the detective knows he's fucking with him. So then we have a flashback of um, Eric proposing to Shelly and leading her up into the attic or whatever where the rings are. And um, it's really sweet, and she's all happy, and they're happy, and it's just building more in your head. The, oh, my God, this is so like, sad and so tragic. Like, these two kids were so in love. So now they're back to... The uh, pawn shop. the pawn shop, and he's like, "Where are the rings at?" You know, and he's like, "Looking for a specific ring or something." Well, that's when he has the flashback. Actually, he tells him there's a box over there with rings in, it, and he goes through and finds the ring. That's when he has the flashback of proposing to her. So then he comes back out, and he's like, "Where are the rest of the thugs? Where are they at?" And the guy has no problem. He gives them up automatically. He doesn't even take any pushing. He's like, uh, "They all hang out at the pit." And he goes, Fun Boy lives there, upstairs, you know, whatever. So then Eric starts throwing the rings at him. He's like, each one of these is a life, a life you helped to destroy. So then he's like, um, don't kill me, don't kill me. And he, while he's doing this, he's pouring gas everywhere. Yep. And then he's loading the, the fucking shotgun, shotgun with the rings. And then he's, he's like, dumping because he's just dumping them. Yeah. And he's like, don't kill me, don't kill me. And then Eric's like, uh, I'm not going to kill you. You're going to tell them that they're going to die. He goes, and tell them Eric Draven sends his regards. I got to pause there. Yeah. It's funny. Do you remember the first Fantastic Four movie? Mm-hmm. I kind of stole from this. Eric Draven sends his regards. I love that part where the Human Torch was... Oh, it was the second Fantastic Four movie with Silver Surfer. Gotcha. Remember the Human... Oh, it was Chris What's-His-Face, the guy that played Captain America later, was the yep. Human Torch. That is definitely him. And he's chasing the Silver Surfer, remember, and they go all the way up into the atmosphere until they run out Yeah, they run out of oxygen, so his fire goes out, mm. and Silver Surfer's got him by the neck, and he just drops him. I always thought right there, if he would have done this line, if he, it would have been great. If he would have just been like, <laughs> Galactus sends his regards and just lets him go, I always thought that would have been so freaking cool. <laughs> Sorry, I think that every time I see this movie, and he's like Eric Draven sends his regards. I think about Silver Surfer dropping Human Torch. It's weird the way my mind works, I guess. Anyway, tell him Eric Draven sends his regards. So then the guy starts screaming at him. He couldn't leave well enough alone. He's like, "You're dead when they get your hands on you. You're dead. You're street grease. You understand me? You're street, street grease." <laughs> and he turns around and he goes. Is that gasoline I smell? <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, shit. So he's running for the back door. And he barely makes it out in time. He shoots the gas, and it blows up the whole place. And the guy gets slammed against a wall, and he's on fire trying to put himself out. So then... Um, and it's badass that he shot a fucking shotgun with rings. Right? Badass. Um, Mia Yolovich did that in one of the Resident Evil movies of Quarters. Sorry. Trash. But... I digress. <laughs> Trash. I like the Resident Evil movies. You could all they had to do with those fucking movies was make them like the game. That's all they right. had to do. I know. That's it. But me, Yulovich. 
That's all he had. To, look, I understand. Look, I'm look. I, look, I love the Fifth <laughs> Element. Oh yeah, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Multipass. The talk back, What you? What you trying God to talk? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Eric's leaving the pawn shop. Explodes, and he runs into Winston. And Winston's like, "Don't move!" And he's like, "I thought police said freeze." And he's like, oh, "I'm the police. I'm saying don't move." So then uh, you notice in this scene. He's got a guitar on his back. Yep. He took a guitar from the pawn shop. Uh-huh. And then you wonder, was it his guitar? Right. Did Tintin still, you know, still hawk, all hawk? Yes, exactly. I always wondered that. They yeah. never really said, but was it his guitar? Anyway, um, he was like, uh, I don't know how I always miss this. He's like, hey, I had a talk with a guy earlier. He, Got stuck with a bunch of knives. He was like, my jacket? And then he's like, oh, man, you're the one that killed Tintin. And then he's like, they're all dead. They just don't know it yet. And then we cut back to Bai Ling. And she's being weird. And she's laying on a table with a fire burning. And she's like all into like mysticism and shit. And she's like, I can feel your energy. There's something wrong with you. And then you start realizing that they're like brother and sister. Which you find out they are later. Who? Bai Ling and Raspy Voice Guy from Robin Hood. Really? Yeah, they're brother and sister. Like, that was his dad's daughter from another woman. Because later on when they kill the pawn shop guy, they talk about that. But they were just like totally fucking the same chick together. It's, and they're kissing. It's really weird. It's a really weird aspect of this movie. Anyway. Um, Damn. Yeah, so somebody comes in, and they're reporting that Tintin's gone. And then we cut to the crow flying over the city, and um, we see Sarah on her skateboard, and she almost gets hit by a car, and Eric grabs her out of the way. And I fucking made it. Yeah, and she's like, that guy's a dickhead. And he's like, you wouldn't have made it. And she's like, ah. And she's like, it's more like surfing than skateboarding. We played this at the beginning of the show. Um, I wish it would just stop raining for a little while. And then he goes... Huh, it can't rain all the time. <laughs> and she stops and she's like, Eric. Eric? And then he's gone. And then he was like, he looks at the camera and he's like, see what I did there? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so then we cut back to Winston, who's now investigating um, what was going on. And he's asking for some files and stuff. And you find out that they were fighting tenant eviction and they were complaining about stuff going on in the building to try to get it fixed. And that's what got uh, Shelly and Eric killed. So that that that's always been my thought of the you know, I've always had to really 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 think about how why did they get killed? Because why why um, why, why? raspy voice guy it was a slumlord. He's a slumlord, and they were trying to get him like building code violations and shit like that. When they show the longer flashback later, T Bird walks in with a list, and he's like. Did you turn in this list of complaints? Because we're here to blah, blah, blah. And that's why they kill him. Oh, yeah. Okay, I do. Okay. Because even later on in the movie, Eric asked Winston, why didn't you do anything about it? And he goes, you think after what happened to you guys, anybody in that building was going to say anything? And that's exactly what they were going for. That's why they killed him. So then um, he is looking through the file, and he finds that same... Uh, publicity photo of hangman's joke and he takes a pen and he starts drawing the crow makeup on it Mm -hmm. um 
because he recognized him and, and Eric knew his name and he was like, what are you, a ghost like type of shit when they were talking outside right. the building. Um, so then you get another great shot of the crow flying over the city and all those shots of the crow flying were just really, really cool, I thought, the way they did it. Um, I know there was a lot of CGI there, but it just looked really, really freaking cool. I always wonder what this movie would have been like had Tim Burton done it. Well, Johnny Depp would definitely be. The oh crow. my God, you're right. Oh God, and <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter would have been like the biling character, right? Right, For but yeah, sure. but yeah, I always wonder. Like Tim, this was right up Tim Burton's alley. This would have been amazing. But anyway, you get a great shot of the crow flying over. So Fun Boy and Sarah's mom are. Um, I actually wrote down here they were doing heroin. It was actually uh, morphine that they were shooting, but it looked like they were doing heroin. But the crow comes into the bedroom. And then she, yeah, and they're making out, and she looks over, and she's like, there's a big-ass bird over there. And then he's like, oh, hey, here, birdie, birdie, here. So then uh, Eric comes in, and he does this cool thing. There's a, a a light bulb hanging from a wire from the ceiling, mm-hmm. and he walks right up to it, so it's illuminating his face, and he puts it on his forehead and, like, rolls it across his forehead. And I always thought, for some reason, that was so fucking stylish and cool that he did that to, light, like, light up his face. So, thing, um, Fun Boy pulls a gun out, and Eric puts his hand over the gun, and he's like, Go ahead. Pull the trigger. Kill me. You got me dead. Bang. Mm. You know? So, mm. then he shoots him. And, uh... This is really funny because they're showing it from Eric's perspective, and Funboy can't see his face, and he's screaming, ah, ah, and Funboy's laughing at him. But you can see on Eric's face that his wound is healing, and it's not really hurting him. He's like making this face, like, ah, ah, but he's like making a, a sarcastic face mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, Eric turns around. And he holds up. It's funny because he does the same thing Tarantino does in From Dust Till Dawn. Right. He holds his hand up and he's looking through the hole in his hand at Fun Boy. But then the hole just closes up. And he shoot uh, and he goes, um, he, he he goes, Jesus Christ. He goes, Jesus. He goes, stop me if you've heard this one. And Fun Boy shoots him. And he goes, Jesus Christ walks into a hotel and he shoots him again. He goes, he puts down three nails. Oh, that's when he gets shot again. And he goes, he puts down three nails and he shoots him again. And he goes, and he says to the hotel guy, can you put me up for the night? (laughs) So then uh, he grabs Fun Boy and points the gun down as he pulls the trigger, makes him shoot himself in the leg. And then this is the weirdest thing. He falls back on the bed and he looks at Eric and he goes, look what you did to my sheets. What the fuck? You just got shot and you're worried about your sheets. So Eric drags him into the bathroom where uh, Sarah's mom is hiding and she's all fucked up and she's hiding in the bathroom. Eric comes in there pulling fun boy behind him and she like grabs like a straight razor from the sink and she's like holding it up. She thinks he's going to kill her next and he dumps fun boy in the tub and turns the water on and then he goes over to her and grabs her and takes her over to the mirror and he's making her look in the mirror and he goes... Mother is the name for God on a child's lips. And he's like, morphine is really bad for you. And he's squeezing her arm, and the morphine starts coming coming out out of the track marks. It was really gross looking. Right. So he's like, he pretty much tells her, your daughter's out there on the streets. 
you know, why don't you go home and be a mother to her, pretty much is what he says. So she takes off. And so now we cut to the pawn shop guy, and he's talking to Candyman about what happened. And then Shelly's mom, because this is downstairs in the bar, Shelly's mom, or Shelly, I keep saying Shelly, Sarah's, Sarah's mom, mom, Sarah's mom comes running by, ah, and she runs out. And they're like, what the hell is going on? So Tony Todd, Candyman, goes upstairs to investigate, and you see that Eric's like shoved like a bunch of morphine needles into Fun Boy. So he's ODing. He's dying. He's just about dead. And he's in the Eric's in the window when Tony Todd comes in, and Eric's like, shh, like all funny, and like winks at him and jumps out the window. And he runs over and looks out the window, and he can't find him. So then he goes over and finds Fun Boy all full Fucked of needles. Up. And he had drawn a crow on his chest in blood again. So that's like the signature. So then we cut to Winston. And this scene is so great. Winston's hanging out in his apartment in his boxers and his undershirt. But he still has his police hat on. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hilarious. I'm off work, but I'm still on duty. So then he's going through like some of the shit. So then Eric shows up at his house. And he's like, no, no, no. He goes, you're dead. I saw your body, you know. And all Eric's got to say that is, you still have your hat on. And then he takes his hat off like he's embarrassed, kind of like, oh, man. So then um, he asks him what happened. And he pretty much tells him, he says, you got thrown out a four-story window. And then Shelly got beaten and raped. And she didn't die right away. She went to the hospital and she held on for like 30 hours. Died from a broken heart. Yeah, and then her body just couldn't take anymore. So Eric does the whole thing where he grabs Winston by the head and instantly sees everything it. through his eyes. And he's like, you sat there with her the whole time. And he goes, yeah, I was hoping that she would wake up and could tell me something so I could nail these guys. And he was like, why didn't you do anything? And that's when he was like, do you think after what happened to you guys, anybody in that building we're gonna say say anything to anybody so it kind of made sense but eric saw that winston was a good dude because he sat there with her the whole time and he was actually wanting to make a difference so they talk a little bit and you find out that winston got busted for poking around too much in that investigation and that's why they made him a beat cop again and he wasn't a detective anymore and then he sits down and, and lights up a cigarette and eric's like you shouldn't smoke those. That shit will kill you. And then it's kind of like a funny thing. Cause he's already, uh, Eric's already dead, you know, type of stuff. So then we cut to the pawn shop guy is in what's his face's office with his weird sister and him. Winston. And no, um, I mean, uh, what's his name? I don't even remember what his name was in the movie. It's horrible. I just keep calling him raspy voice guy. It was, uh, shoot. I'm trying to go back on the IMDb now. It was Top Dollar. There we go. There we go. So I will try to use the correct name. So Top Dollar is there with his weird Bai Young, Bai Ling sister person. And they're talking to Pawn Shop Guy. And he's talking about, you know, I shot the, the shit out of this dude. And, um, you know, he didn't die. And then he said, you're all going to die and blah, blah, blah. And then... um. Top Dollar tosses something at him, and he had it was an eyeball. And he goes, what the hell? And he goes, say hello to the last guy that talked back to me or whatever. And he's like, you tell me this shit's real? So then they got him sitting in a chair, and um, 
Bai Young, Bai Ling is starting to push it together in her head. You can see her really thinking hard about this. The guy's not dying. There's something magical going on here. Right. So she's kind of starting to put it together of what's happening. So then um, he's like, I'm not twisted like you freaks or whatever. And he goes, why are you talking to my sister that way? And he's like, that's your sister? Are you serious? And he goes, yeah, it's my dad's daughter. Can't you see the resemblance? Because she's Asian and he's not. That was funny. <laughs> so then he goes and gets a sword and he stabs the dude through the neck with the sword. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. he's like, for God's sakes, will you die already? And then he shoots him just to kind of add insult to injury and he kills him. So then we cut to Eric one of the cool guitar playing scenes. Mm-hmm. Eric's up on a roof and he's playing the guitar. And um, Sarah's list, they cut to Sarah in her house and she pulls out the vinyl of Hangman's Joke. And I think it's cool. She had a stack of vinyl. That's right. A cool kid. And she puts it on and she's listening to, it can't rain all the time. And I like doing <laughs> that because that's how he sings. I don't know if that was actually Brandon Lee. They had to sing that or what, but. It's just funny. I thought it can't if I'm not mistaken, all the time. Uh, Guilty feet have got no rhythm. Actually, oh wait, uh, that's not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> if what I'm not Heath mistaken, Ledger I think uh, Heath Ledger actually watched The Crow to get inspiration for the Joker. Okay, I'm so glad you said that. Hold that thought. Good. I did the same thing. Hell yes. Hold that thought. All right. So then they cut to T Bird, and. The st- I call him the stupid thug. And they're in the street, and what are they doing in the street? Fire it up! Fire it up! Fire it up! Oh my god, these guys are fucking morons. All they're doing anyway, is drinking and fucking... Swallowing bullets. Right. So then uh, they go to the store, and he's like running to get some alcohol, and some beer and some cigarettes, and the guy goes in... Well, while he's in there, you realize Eric's in the back of T-Bird's car, which is a pretty badass car, by the way. Which is he, a T-Bird. Yes, yeah, and it's fucking cool. Anyway, he's in the back of the car, and then he puts the gun to his head, and he's like, drive. And then um, he's, he's like, faster, and he's making him drive really fast. And they buzz these cops, and the cops are having this conversation. The cop's looking at his coffee and the little thing of cream, and he's like, I don't even know how they could call this cream. And they go by... And the cop that's driving goes, what the crap? <laughs> Remember this, because it's important later, believe it or not. He goes, what's the crap? And he takes off real fast, and the other cop spills his coffee fucking all coffee all over himself. And he screams, ah! So then the chops, the chops, the cops chase him. The stupid guy comes out of the store, carjacks a dude, and starts chasing them. And he's trying to catch up. And I don't know why... This guy reminds me, the stupid guy reminds me of the stupid guy from the first Fast and the Furious movie that bets on his car and loses it. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? The little weasel dude. Yeah, the dude that's like, hey, you guys, we're going to go out racing if we can get my car ready to go. And then he bets that guy, and then Michelle Rodriguez was like, no, don't do it. And then it was too late, and he was like, oh, shit, I lost my car. I'm talking like Deputy Doofy. <laughs> Told you not to bother me while I'm cleaning my room. Jeez. Anyway, that guy reminds me. He's really annoying. So then he's cutting down this alley, and the cops are chasing him. He drives his car out in front of the cop car totally by accident and causes them both to crash. So Eric and T-Bird get away. Then you find that T-Bird, later on, Eric's got T-Bird duct taped to his seat. 
Oh, there we go. He's duct taped to his seat. And uh, they keep playing this pl- this flashback of him reading John Milton out of one of the books in the apartment. Mm-hmm. T-Bird is. And the line is, abashed, the devil stood and felt how awful goodness is and saw virtue in her own shape, how lovely, saw and pined its lo- and pined his loss. And that's from what again? Yeah, Milton is hard to read. It's John Milton. It's from Paradise Lost. Okay. So they kept they showed that a couple of times of him reading that because the first time he's reading it to Shelley in the flashback he's like, "Does this shit turn you on? Get you nice and wet?" Blah blah blah. <laughs> right before he rapes her, you know. Right. So then he's got him taped to the to the car, and then he keeps looking at Eric. He's like, "I know you. I, I know. I know." And he right. was like, "I knew it was you." He's like, How'd you, "There ain't no coming back, man. This, this is the really real world. There ain't no coming back. There ain't no coming. There ain't no coming back, man." <laughs> so then. Eric's got him taped to the car, and he's like got the gas going and everything. He's uh, he's got his so his he's gonna force his foot down on the accelerator. So then once again, for some reason, Tiber is all fucked up, and he's like abashed. The devil stood and felt how awful goodness is, and saw virtue in her own shape. How lovely saw, and pined his loss, and then whoa, he's gone, and he gets out over the water, and the whole car explodes, and T-Bird's done. Are you coming back, man? <laughs> I just thought it was funny. He was clanking three bottles together while he was saying it. It was right. really weird. So then uh, Sarah wakes up. Come, come out to play. <laughs> Why'd you do it, man? Why'd you off Shelly? I don't know. I just like doing things like that. So anyway, so then Sarah wakes up to mom cooking breakfast. And she's Sober. like. Sober. Yeah. And she's like. The fuck. <laughs> so then she's like, "Do you like him over easy or or sunny side up?" I can't remember. And Sarah's like, "Only sick motherfuckers eat sunny side up eggs." So what the fuck do you think? <laughs> that was me pining that in. Yeah, you better get those fuckers over easy because sunny side up is goddamn disgusting. If you like sunny side up eggs, fuck you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Don't stop listening, please. Anyway, so um. Sarah's kind of giving her mom crap, and she's like, oh, what the fuck did you take to make you try to be mother of the year, blah, blah, blah. So then her mom's like, you know what? Screw it. I was never good at being a mom anyway. And then Sarah's like, no, wait. Wait. No, no, no. I, I like him over easy. Because if I was sunny side up, I'd be a sick fuck. Over easy. <laughs> over easy's good. So then her mom is making her the eggs. And you can see, like, they're having a little heart-to-heart, and they're kind of patching up their broken relationship mm-hmm. now that she's going to try to be clean. So then we shoot back to Winston at the police station and he's walking by and the detective's pissed and they get into another argument and you find out Winston's suspended for um, bad conduct or whatever. He's like, this is bullshit, but he leaves anyway. So then we cut to Sarah's investigating the apartment and Eric is in there and he's burning stuff in the fireplace and every time he touches something he's having a flashback and a memory or what so i thought this is totally metaphorical and this happens to this whole movie eric is slowly separating himself from who he was and fully becoming the crow gotcha and to the point where because eventually he's gonna have to go back it's almost like he's tying up the loose ends of his life. Makes sense. He's. I wrote down on my notes, he's burning memories. Because mm-hmm. he's looking at it, he's throwing it all in the fire. Notes, letters, pictures, it's all going in the fire. So then when Sarah comes in, he's not there. 
and she's looking around. She's like, Eric, Eric, I knew it was you. And then that's the goddamn cat is still there. I don't know why or how. <laughs> and he's clean. The cat's absolutely clean. It doesn't look like it's been living on the street or anything. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, she's like, I knew you were here. And then he wouldn't answer her. So she's like, that's fine. I thought you cared. And then she's getting ready to leave. And the light flashes. They did a lot of good work with lighting in this movie. Mm-hmm. The lighting and, and the stuff that they did with the cinematography in this movie is is excellent. The The whole lighting thing is amazing. Light flashes, and it's his shadow on the wall, and you just hear his voice, I do care. And she turns around, and he's standing by the window, and she's like, Eric, and she goes running over, and she hugs him. That was one of the paces where it wasn't Brandon Lee. That's mm-hmm. why you never see his face in that scene. So then they hug. So then they cut back to the stupid guy is now in the office with... Uh, Wait, top dollar. Top dollar. Top dollar, dollar. <laughs> Make you holler. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Look, I was so. waiting for it. I was waiting. I felt <laughs> like it was were, too right? cliche for me. Right? But you. But me. Yes. Nothing is above it. Yes. I'm not, I'm not above any of that shit. Shit, so, more below it. Right? Uh, <laughs> so high, you can't get over it. <laughs> Michael Jackson, too no. hard to get over. I was gonna, yeah, yeah. Uh, too hard to actually, get okay. under. Yeah, yeah. I was You're talking, stuck in the middle. Yeah, see, you went my, when we did it again, you went Michael Jackson. I was talking George Clinton. Look. But, okay. So the reason the reason it's funny is because Michael Jackson oh, tied the to the crow, movie. <laughs> loosely tied. Loosely tied to the movie. Uh, but, yeah. Um, we digress. The, they couldn't get him for the movie because he wouldn't stop till he got enough. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> Don't stop till you get enough. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so anyway, so um, the guy is talking to Top Dollar about what happened to T-Bird. And he's like, he's figured out that all the guys that have been involved in this rape and death shit are dying. He's like, I'm the last one left. The dude's going to be coming for me now. Everybody else is already dead. So Tony Todd went to Eric's grave and found that it was empty. Like all the dirt had been disturbed and there was nobody in there. If you say my name three times. Right. <laughs> candy man. That's whole, uh, yeah, I knew what you were doing. Man. Um, candy. I don't remember if it was three. Is it three times or five know. times? I don't know. Look, I, shit, I never made it. And I'll tell you why I'm fucked up about it. Because I'm pretty sure it's five times. Probably. But you know who fucked me up about it? Who? Tupac. Really? Because I think Bloody Mary was three times in the mirror. Candyman was five. But there's a rap where Tupac says, say my name three times like Candyman. Mm -hmm. And it fucks up my head because I'm like, wait, I thought it was five times. Well, maybe Tupac's right. Maybe it's three times. And now I'm all fucked up about it. We'd have to Google it. We will Google it. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Come with me. What do we have here now? (laughs) See, you knew what I was talking about. (laughs) Anyway, so... um, Tony Todd comes in and he's like, did you go to the grave? And he's like, yeah, it's empty. And like now, now stupid guys are really freaking, oh my God, oh my God. So then we switch back to Winston, who's buying Sarah another hot dog. He's feeding Sarah again. He's kind of taken over as her like guardian type figure. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about Eric. And then she's like, when somebody dies, they can't come back, right? He's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, I don't know. What are you talking about? And he's like, what? She's like, what? Because they like that's kind of the conversation because they don't want to tell each other what they're thinking. Right. But she was like, "You saw him too." He's like, "I saw somebody," you know. Just and know who. And then Sarah was like, 
Now, we both agreed that what we saw was Eric. And I don't want to hear, I don't believe you can come back from the dead. Because I don't fucking believe you can come back from the dead. But what I saw <laughs> was fucking Eric. Did, did you get that? I got that too. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. hope you guys got that too because I tried really hard on it. And then Winston was like, I believe what I saw. <laughs> You're like, damn it, Hank. Damn it, damn it, Bobby. God damn it, Bobby. So then uh, we cut to Eric. He's playing guitar again on the rooftop. And he's got an amp. And then he starts smashing the living shit out of it. Again, Breaking purging guitar. himself of everything he was. He's already purged his memories. Now he's purging the musician side of him. Everything that made him who he was, he's kind of tying it all up and getting ready so he can leave. After he gets all this vengeance, he can be at peace. Makes sense. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I got out of it. I don't know if I'm reading too far into it. No, hell no. Shit, if if, if that's reading too far into that, we read way too far into fucking Dustin. Oh, my God. We could have wrote a book (laughs) on that shit. All right, so then we go back to the club, the pit. And, oh, yeah, Thrill Kill Cult. My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult is playing live on stage. That's pretty badass. Hell, yeah. If you don't know My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, look them up because they're awesome. Especially if you're into Lords Vassar or KMFDM, this is your shit. But if you're into them, you already know who My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult is. I'll shut up about it. Christian zombie vampires. That's, That's not the song they're doing, but it's one of their songs. So then they're having a meeting upstairs. And there's the dumb guy is up there, and they kind of decide they're going to use the dumb guy as bait because they know Eric Draven's going to come for him. Going to come for him, makes sense. So then he's got a bunch of his dudes there, and are they generals? Are they drug lords? Are they crime bosses? Who knows? Who knows? Just a fucking syndicate of you know bad. So he's got all his dudes sitting there, and he's pretty much saying, "I started Devil's Night. I started the fires, all that shit. I lit the first fire, but now it's become too commercial." Devil's Night has become too commercialized. He goes, they got fucking Devil's Night greeting cards. Are you serious? And he's like, you get an idea, and then somebody takes the idea and runs with it, and then it's not even what it was. And he goes, Skank knows what I'm talking about. Skank, that's the stupid that's the guy. That's the stupid guy. Skank knows what I'm talking about. How you feeling, Skank? And he's like, I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. And then everybody starts laughing at him. Ah, <laughs> oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you know. So then... Eric comes busting in the room. <laughs> he makes his grand entrance and he jumps up on the table and he's like, I suppose you wonder why I called you all here tonight. Ha ha ha. And he's like, <laughs> I just want him. And then the guy's like, well, you can't have him. He's like, well, you've made your choice. I guess now it's time to see if you can stand by. He goes, I'm already bored. Kill this motherfucker. And they all start shooting at him. All right, let's pause here. Right. Let's, let's back up. Back up? Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You know where I'm going. Yeah, you got damn right. We're vibing right now, and I yeah. love it. This scene is eerily, eerily, eerily fucking close. To the pencil scene? Yes, in Batman Dark Knight. Uh-huh. The whole scene where the Joker first shows up and all the bad guys, are, it's the same exact, almost shot the exact same way with all the yep. bad dudes sitting at the long table, the head guy at the end. He comes walking in out of nowhere, and everybody's like, who the fuck are you? The sarcastic nature of everything he says. I've already got the upper hand on you, and I know every motherfucker in this room is about to die, and I don't care. Right. You know what I mean? Like, And they're like, you're crazy, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, we're just going to kill you because you're crazy, but he ends up killing everybody anyway. The I was watching the scene, because I don't think I've watched this movie since I've seen yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Knight. I don't think I have either. So watching that scene, I was like, 
holy shit, this is the fucking pencil scene from Dark Knight. Somebody's going to sue somebody. I, know, I didn't mean that, but you know what I mean? I just, the, the parallels I drew between the two is really, really cool between his kind of really smart ass last days ago. Fuck you. You're supposed to be big guys, but I don't give a shit about, I don't respect anything about you. Right. And even to the part where they start shooting him, mm-hmm. I mean, the Joker didn't get shot, but there were parts in the movie like, that was a lot like, remember when he went, the one dude that really didn't like him, he went to his place and killed all his dudes and like, I'm talking about Batman now. Right, 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 right. You know what I'm talking about? I had to think the, about it for a second. The one black dude that was really pissed at him. Um, yes. And he yes. went to, when he first, when he went and took over his whole gang, but he shot all those other dudes and then like put him in the box or whatever he Like did. I didn't know for like, in, in, you know, going to the whole Batman thing. I didn't know that was fucking Michael John White. I, it never crossed my mind. Wait, what? Yeah, that he kills. He Are you pencil. serious? If I'm not mistaken, that's Michael J. White. No way. Urkel? No, that's oh. Jalil White. Oh, oh I'm my God. Black Dynamite. Oh, Black. No, I I got to look that up. Pull later. it up. Google it. Oh my Google God. It. All right, we're going to. If I'm not mistaken, that's him. This Google break has been brought to you by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. <laughs> but yes, if I'm not mistaken, um, he was. Uh, the Crow was. Um, you know, some of his. Heath Ledger's inspiration. Yeah, totally. Which is, you know, pretty badass. Is it Michael? Ja White, J-A-I. Just put pencil scene. Got, if I'm not mistaken, Oh, my God, you might be right. Hang on. Uh-huh. I should have gone to uh, IMDb. Let's see. Because, of course, he's Spawn. Dude. Yeah, he was badass and i have spawn too we'll, we'll See, cover look, that he's, look, he's right okay there. black dynamite spawn look right there the dark knight oh the oh my god it was it? him yeah dude yeah there it is the pencil scene right there oh my god dude i how did i miss that i don't know dude i love black dynamite <laughs> when at the end that little kid comes up he goes my mama said that's my daddy's name you shut your mouth boy lots of brothers have that name <laughs> <laughs> Lots of brothers are called Black Dynamite. <laughs> oh my god, I love that movie. Have you seen Devil uh Black Devil Doll? Uh-uh. Okay, so there's two Black Devil dolls. There's a really bad one mm-hmm. that was made in the seventies. Then there's a, a black exploitation mm-hmm. takeoff one that was made in like two thousand nine. I have a poster for it around here somewhere. And it's like Child's Play, uh-huh. but it was an old Black Panther dude from the 70s that dies and gets put into this puppet. Oh, shit. And his like his whole goal in life is to fuck white bitches and do coke. It's fucking awesome. What? Like, yes. And there's like a, a oh, please excuse my language here. There's a wigger dude on there. <laughs> so that gets killed too. But on the poster, it has him and the... The tagline for the movie was "fuck you, motherfucker." <laughs> so they have a bunch of pictures of these white Samuel Jackson was in it, right? But they have a bunch of pictures of like these like thick white chicks in bikinis, mm-hmm. and it's like this doll is about to violate all of these women, and then they show the wigger guy at the bottom, and like, and this guy too, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he does. Oh, but Jesus. yeah, he rapes everybody before they die, even the dudes. Anyway, but yeah, he's like, uh, 
Oh, man, there's another great tagline. Something about, I like white meat or something like that. <laughs> the um, other white meat. I gotta find, I'm going to dig the poster up before you leave and show it to you. Hell yeah. It's fucking awesome. And it's signed by the by the director. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I have a hard time hanging it up because it's really, really offensive. offensive. There's a right. lot of bad language on it. There's nudity on it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's bad. But it's awesome. <laughs> anyway, so... Yeah, so then um, they blow him away, right. and he falls off the table, and the one guy goes looking for him. The one guy that looks like the bass player from Pearl Jam goes <laughs> looking for him, and Bai Ling tries to grab the crow, because she's put it together that the crow's got something to do with his powers. So she's trying to grab the crow, and the crow, dr- crow, the crow flies away, and then Eric gets up and just starts blowing everybody away, and Top Dollar and... Tony Todd, Candyman, go running out of the room, and everybody else gets wasted. And you really see some Brandon Lee shit here. He's doing backflips. Mm-hmm. He's fucking popping up on two feet from his laying down position. He's like twirling around, shooting. Beer. All the shit you saw, like in um, uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo and Rapid Fire, you're seeing that kind of Brandon Lee shit now. That's it's really shit. cool. Yeah. In fact, the the. James O'Barr, the writer of The Crow, was a little worried about Brandon Lee being cast because he didn't want it to turn into a kung fu movie. Damn. But he was really, really happy with the end product. After he said he, he said after he saw him in the face makeup, he was like, no, that's the guy. Hell yeah. So that was cool. So anyway, um, he blows everybody away, and then he finally gets his hand on Skank. He's like, we're skank. Or he goes, I'm going to kill you, skank. He goes, oh, skank, I'm not skank. Skank's dead. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know who skank is. I never heard of skank. I never even saw skank. That skank's over there. I think he's dead. You know, I'm trying to, like, the crow's stupid. He almost reminds know? me of Ed from uh, The Lion King. You know, there was the three hyenas. Oh, yeah, the stupid one with his tongue hanging out. It was Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. And then the other ones. That's yeah. the, like, that's, right. I would assume, like, and my thought, he's the personification right. of... Mufasa. <laughs> Ooh. 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 Say it again. Say Mufasa. It again. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> so funny. I love that movie. So then he tells um, he tells Skank, he's like, I guess it's not a good day to be a bad guy. I forgot how many good one-liners he had in this movie. He's like Arnold Schwarzenegger tier one-liners. Here. Right. I guess it's not a good day to be a bad guy. And then he kills him. Or he throws him out the window. Mm-hmm. This is where it's important. And I didn't catch this for a while either. He throws him out the window and he crashes into the top of a car. Mm-hmm. And you hear in the distance that same cop go, What the crap? Oh, shit. <laughs> it's the same fucking cop that was in the high speed chase. It was like, What the crap? I don't know why they did that, but it was fucking funny. So then all the cops show up and um, they're like, Move and we shoot. And they, because they've all got their guns on on Eric right. Draven, and I love this. He like does this little skitter out of the way, like a sidestep dance, like da 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 and they're the all WB. shooting. Yeah, ex- that's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> except he's not; he doesn't have the hat, that but he's doing that same dance almost. And they're all shooting at him. And he takes off, and this is a really cool chase scene where they've got a helicopter after him, and then all kinds of cars. Mm-hmm. And he's running across rooftops. And he's jumping the rooftops, and a couple of these jump scenes, like the the pose and everything, mm-hmm. was straight out of like a Batman comic book. Hell yes! Like the way they show Batman jumping across rooftops, and like the pose was exact. It was like really really cool. Like a really cool homage to comics, I think. Right. So he's running. They're shooting at him. They're shooting everything up. 
So then finally he gets into an alley and Winston comes pulling up in his car and saves his ass. And Eric right. jumps into the car and Winston got says he has a great line. He goes, Damn, there's so many cops here you'd think they're giving away free donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in street clothes now because he's, he's suspended. He's yeah. not really a cop right now. So then he takes off. So then um they go back and they're talking and Bai Ling has figured out that the crow is his power and they're Which all three talking. Tethered. Yeah. And so then Top Dollar's like, so kill the crow, kill the man or whatever. And they mm-hmm. figure it out. They've they've done figured it out. They've done figured it out. So Eric's kind of hanging out in the streets and these trick-or-treaters come by and he has this really moment with them where he's smiling at them and kind of remembering what it was like to be a kid and be trick-or-treating. And I feel like he's gotten his vengeance now. Right. And he's kind of in, he's kind of finding a little bit of peace. That's why when he sees the kids, it makes him smile. Because mm-hmm. it's the first time he smiles for real in the whole movie where he's not smiling because he's about to kill somebody. Right. It's a genuine joy on his face kind of smile. Almost like a weight has been lifted off him kind of right. because he's completed what he was supposed to do. He's ready to go. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to his grave and he finds Sarah there. And he's got the ring on a necklace and he gives it to her. And he is totally at this point... If Top Dollar had left this alone, the three of them would have lived. Right. Top Dollar, Bai Ling, and, and Candyman. Because mm-hmm. Eric was done. He had got his vengeance on the people that did it. He was ready to go back right. to being dead. And he was right. done. But what happened was, I think Bai Ling had a lot to do with this. She wanted that crow. Hell yeah. She wanted that fucking power. So Sarah gets kidnapped by the Candyman. And uh, they got her all tied up. And Bai Ling's like... Again, all freaky. She has such beautiful, beautiful eyes. eyes. Oh, fuck. She's going to try to cut her eyes out. Crazy lady. So then Eric runs to help her because the crow kind of shows him what's going on. And she hears him, Eric, help me. So he goes mm-hmm. running off. And as soon as they get into the little cathedral thing, Tony Todd snipes the crow. Boom. Like he's up in the rafters and he's got a little laser sight. And he shoots the crow. He doesn't kill it. He just injures it. But it fucks up Eric, too. Right. Eric falls down, and then Eric gets shot, and he realizes, oh, shit, I'm that vulnerable hurt. again. Yeah. So then um, the Candyman is about to kill the crow because Eric's fighting with Top Dollar. Right. Top Dollar shoots him, and he's like, oh, shit, look at this. This he motherfucker goes, can bleed. Yeah, he goes, uh, you bleed pretty good for a ghost, I think is what he says to him. So then Candyman is is zooming in on the crow. He's about to kill him. And Winston busts in the door and shoots him and saves the day. But then Bai Ling runs over and grabs the crow and takes off. But Sarah still needs to be saved. So Mm. Winston and and Eric are more concerned about saving Sarah than anything else. And then it's funny because Winston's like, all right, here's the plan. You just run in, and when they run out of bullets from shooting you, I'll okay. arrest them. And she, he's like, yeah, I can't do that. He goes, I thought you were invulnerable. And he's like, I was, but now I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can even tell the way he's talking now. He's Eric Draven again. Right. He's not, like, sarcastically, ah, he's like, yeah, about that. Um, <laughs> he's like a normal dude. Super not human anymore. Right. You know, I'm human. So then they go back to Biling and Top Dollar, and he's making out with his sister again for, oh, my God, whatever weirdness. And there's lots of shooting, and um, Winston actually takes out Candyman, but then he gets shot, too, in the right. process. And then Biling has the crow, 
and she's holding it and she tells Eric, this is all the power you ever had. And now it's mine. And then the crow freaks out and pecks her, pecks her eyes out. No, oh my God. Which was, she, so this is the irony because she is all about pretty eyes. eyes and plucking people's eyes out. And now her eyes are getting plucked out. She falls off the thing, tries to grab the rope. She falls anyway and she dies. She's done. Mm-hmm. And then they play the wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Anyway, so she falls to her death. And then Top Dollar grabs Sarah and they go out on the roof. And he's kind of holding her, and he's like, and Eric's like, just take me, just take me. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill both of you, pretty much. And he throws her off the roof, but she just slides down, because it's a slanted roof, like an A-frame cathedral, yeah. Mm -hmm. She just slides down, and she's hanging onto the roof. And Top Dollar and Eric start fighting, and Eric's uh, Top Dollar's got a sword. And fucking Eric grabs one of the crosses off the top of the building, which I thought was totally badass. Do you want to know what this scene reminds me of? What's Every that? time I watch it. Beauty and the Beast? Yes. Oh, no way. Yes. Yes, at the end of Beauty and the I Beast. I swear to God. Look, right hand to God. That I, is, I see, promise you. That's why we're doing this. Damn right. Because we're, we're totally on the same page. Because you shit. have to think. Think about it. Like, from a cinematic standpoint. Right. You're fighting on top of this, you know, this gothic yep. building. Because that's what it is. And I love that part in Beauty and the Beast where Gaston goes, Do you really think Belle would want you <laughs> when she could have me? I'm like, it's, it's, it's that same, you right. know, I mean, like, if... I just mean, a little and, darker and gothier. Yeah. Like, it is legitimately I that just thought scene. it was absolutely badass that he was fighting him with a fucking cross. A cross like a sword. yeah. I even put in my notes, what did I put? Um, sword to cross fight. <laughs> <laughs> So they're fighting and they're you know falling around. It's a great fight scene. So then Eric, um, it goes and he's trying to save Sarah because she's hanging she's off hanging. the thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Top Dollar comes up behind him and just runs him through with his sword. And he's like, oh! <laughs> and he falls yeah. down. He falls down and then Top Dollar is like, um, you actually, I'm gonna miss you because you put up a hell of a fight. Blah blah. And he goes. Pretty much is like, you made me happy. Like, you gave me something interesting to do because things mm-hmm. had gotten boring. He's like, so if it makes you feel any better, this is the happiest I've been in years or whatever. And then Eric goes, I have something for you. I don't want it anymore. And he grabs his head and he's got all of the pain from those 30 hours that Shelly was in the hospital and he transfers it over to Top Dollar. And he's like, ah! And he, you know, and he's like, there it is, 30 hours of pain all at once. And then he falls off the roof and he dies. And he gets impaled like on, on this statue with like these horns sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. He gets impaled and he, he's dead. So then Eric gets Sarah up off the roof. She's, she's safe and they go back down and they find Winston. And he's wounded, but he's still alive. So he told Winston, he was like, pretty much you saved my ass just now. Right. You helped me. Um, he goes... You gave me her pain, and I gave it back to him, and it saved my life type of thing. So then he tells Sarah to stay there with Winston and make sure that help comes. And then they both look, and he's gone. And she's like, he disappeared. And he's like, yeah, he's good at that. you know. <laughs> so then Eric's back at his grave, and he's kind of hanging out. And then they show Winston getting in the ambulance, and he's like, 
Because um, Winston's shot, right? Yeah, he's shot. Mistaken. They're putting him in an ambulance. He was smoking a cigarette. Or something. Oh, that's right. He before Eric leaves, he's like, "I need a cigarette." And he puts it in his mouth and he spits it out. And he goes, "Consider me quitting as of now." Because right. he was like, "Bad, doesn't taste good." And I will tell you, as a person that stopped smoking twice now, mm-hmm. you have to get to the point where the cigarettes disgust you yep. for you to stop. Yep. Oh, you know this. You yep. were a smoker. Yep. We still have one occasionally after the yeah. podcast here and there, you know. But both times that I quit. Yeah, I got to the point where I'd smoke half a one, mm-hmm. or I'd smoke a three quarters of one. Then I'm like, I don't even want this. Why am I lighting it? I'm like, you're doing it all yeah. out of you yeah know, habitual yeah, habit. I don't want it. So then, uh, what? Ha- it was so weird. I had stopped smoking for like four years. Mm-hmm. The day I left my wife, <laughs> the first thing I did after I left the house, I went right to Fry's and bought a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, and that was almost two years ago, and I'm still smoking. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. I will quit, but I have to want to. Yeah. I have to feel like it. Exactly. Like, yeah, I got I can't do it because somebody else wants me to. No, it, it has to be, you know, I have to like, be helping a, a guy that's come back from the grave and a little girl with a heroin addict mother. Right. And then get shot by the candy man, and then right. maybe I won't want to smoke anymore. Right. And so it, there you go. When that happens, I'll stop smoking there. Anyway. <laughs> you know, you can't smoke all the time. For, oh, my God. <laughs> you can't smoke all the time. Your lungs are going to get dirty. I don't know. That's funny because when he's going to the ambulance, he's like, uh, it stopped raining. And then Sarah's like, it can't rain all the time. It's like, uh, uh. and then she looked at the camera and she's like, uh, see what I did there? Uh, Oh my God. So then Eric's at his tomb and then this is, this is, I'm not going to lie. This part like tears me up a little bit no matter how many times I watch this movie, Shelly shows up at the grave mm-hmm. and she comes to get Eric and she kisses him and then they're like, it's time to go and then they go and then the graves are, are whole again. Like the dirt's all, like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Then the crow is sitting there and the crow's got the the in, the wedding ring in its mouth and Sarah comes up and the crow drops the ring into her hand and then they do a whole other, a whole other thing where they're like, Sometimes when there's something or another and it's just right and blah, blah. I don't remember what she says. I should have wrote it down, but I was like, I'll remember, but I don't remember. <laughs> she kind of caps it off with. Right. It's, it's a full circle thing. The justice has been done. Right. And blah, blah, blah. And that's it. And it's done and stuff. <laughs> and don't like people's eyes or the crows will pluck yours out. You mean the raven? The raven. <laughs> They'll it's do just, it never more. It's just a bigger and more intimidating looking so bird. That's the crow. Hell yeah. Ca-caw. And we're right on schedule. Ca-caw. All right. First thing we're gonna do, what's your overall in this movie? One to ten. Um It's a seven. It's a solid seven for nice. me. Nice, okay. Like legitimately it's a solid seven. Um I think there's a couple holes, you know, a couple plot holes. Like that goddamn cat? How's yes. it alive? There's certain you know, there's certain things where I'm just like, ah, uh, uh uh, but it's a it's a seven for sure. I think I would give it an I I, I think I'd give it an eight. Okay. Um, almost purely based on the soundtrack. I uh. love the soundtrack <laughs> of this movie. It's fucking well done. The stuff that's over the top, I feel like was done over the top on purpose. Right. Like the stupid thug, the firing it up. Right. And swallowing bullets and taking shots and burning their tongues with fucking cigars and heroin addicts and. All the shit that was over the top fits into this world, though. Of lawlessness. Because it's a chaotic world, uh-huh. exactly. 
um, these thugs would almost fit into a Tarantino movie. Yeah. You know, except they would talk more. But you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'd give it a solid eight. Uh, BBG meter. There's really not a lot of blood. I'm like, this is a low one on that, as yeah. opposed to the last one that tipped the scales. Right. I'm like, that. you see, like you said, there's one shot of boobs. There's one boob. Just um, not even a set of boobs. One boob. Yeah. And it's on a dead chick. I'm like, so if it's... you're into that kind of thing, you might give this a 10, <laughs> but we're not going to give it a 10. Um, to be honest, I don't know. I don't even know if it rates on that. I think it'd be like, yeah, the, the, okay, so the first B being boobs, I think it would be like maybe a point. Yeah. Three or something for if, a dead girl boob for two seconds. Right. Um, the blood, I would give maybe a three because there's not a whole lot of blood, but it's used where necessary. I think it's very realistic use because right. it's not like. Like the hands. It's funny. I stuff. went downstairs earlier today and um, Rose's mom was watching Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. And I forgot how ridiculous the gunshots in that movie oh, yes. were. Every time somebody gets shot, it's like samurai. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny and i was laughing because we were talking the other day because she was saying my mom won't watch rated r movies and then i came back up here and i was like damn she don't watch rated r movies but when she does it she don't fuck around, don't fuck around. <laughs> it's, the, it's the one <laughs> you pick the latest artiest movie you can find it's got to be tarantino but yeah so yeah the blood was realistically done it was tastefully done i, right. I would give it a three no guts. There weren't really any guts. I, I put that at a, yeah. at a zero, maybe, because there weren't. I don't remember any guts at all. Yeah. Even with the kill scenes and stuff. And I guess they could have done it, but they didn't. So that's okay. We don't hold that against them. Right. Anyway, but yeah, I'd give the movie overall. I'd give it a nice solid eight. Right. Just because, yeah, it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. It's beautiful to watch. Definitely. The fact that it was Brandon Lee's last performance. Um, I love the soundtrack. I, I love the books. I, I love everything. I think the biggest thing it. for me on the seven part is um, sometimes just in, in his acting abilities, you can see they're kind of weak. Yeah. And it's like, ah. Uh, right. Uh, we got to remember, this is only like his third major movie. Like, right. He was just getting kind of getting his chops. And a lot of it, I think he was kind of still writing. I think he was trying to set himself apart from, Dad. I'm not just Bruce Lee's kid. Right. I'm an actor of my own, but he was right. still coming into himself, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, are you interested in what we're doing next time? Um, hell yes. Let's run that trailer. <laughs> yes. He's a U.S. Ranger. Highly decorated. Did a little hell raising when he was a kid, but nothing serious. He's defending his wife. Got in a drunken brawl. And he killed the guy. Could have happened to you or me. After serving the last of his sentence, Cameron Poe is taking the first plane home to his wife and daughter. Today's flight is a special one. We're populating Louisiana's Felton Penitentiary. These guys are the worst of the worst. I see a lot of celebrities among us. I see 11 primetime lives, three Regis and Kathy Lees, and a genuine 2020 interviewee. What you looking at, punk? Nothing, I was just admiring your cage. But one wrong flight. Stewardess, what's the in-flight movie today? <laughs> can ruin your whole day. Welcome to Con Air. Jailbird One, you are not cleared for takeoff. And nobody on this aircraft gives a flying. 
The issue here is how the plane is brought down. Shoot it down. There are innocent people up there. He's got a little girl to come home to. He's been waiting for this day for eight years. What are you going to do? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the day. Check your weapons. Take your seat. Isn't that your car? And say your prayers. He's got the whole world in his hand. From Jerry Bruckheimer. Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich. Where are they going to land this thing? How do you feel about the blackjack tables? Air, directed by Simon West. Thank you, and have a pleasant flight. Woo! <laughs> Con Air, baby. Con Air. Nicholas motherfucking Cage. Hell yeah. I love it. I'm super excited about doing this one. It's going to be so much fun. Damn right. Whereas, I think we balanced this out pretty good, because this... Episode was a little depressing, talking about Brandon Lee and all that. And it's a dark movie. It's a depressing movie. Right. It's a good movie, but right. it's kind of on the darker side. It's time to let loose and have a little fun. Hell little yeah. explosions. Hell yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer, thank you for bringing his goonies, among <laughs> other things. Dude, I can't wait. And the greatest thing about this is... That preview was as ridiculous as the preview I played of Passion of the Christ 2. It had all the same shit in it, and it was just as ridiculous. I kept waiting for, you're crazy, Nicholas Cage. You're crazy. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I'm very, very, very excited. In Hell case yeah. You haven't guessed. And I'm glad they had fucking Bashimi in there. Yes. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. I didn't plan it that way, but it worked out pretty good. This was my closing music, but I wasn't planning on singing over it. That was actually So we want to thank you guys once again. We are bringing another awesome episode to a close. Hell yeah. want to remind you guys to check us out on Instagram at 700 Tapes. Check out our Facebook page. Check out our Facebook group. Also under the 700 Tapes podcast. Find us on Twitter. Jasperino at 700 Tapes. Drop us an email. 700 Tapes podcast at gmail.com. Find us wherever you find your fine podcast on your favorite podcast providers. If there is a provider you want to hear us on, a podcasting platform that we are not on, that you want to hear us on, email me. At 700tapes at gmail.com, and I will make that happen for you. Because that's what we do. You're damn right. That's right. God damn right. God damn it, Bobby. God damn it, Bobby. So once again, (laughs) stay safe out there. Wear your masks. If you don't have one, contact Roman Alvarado on Facebook. It's the Legacy. Legacy Alvarado. Legacy Alvarado. You can find him on Instagram, too, (laughs) under the Legacy One. Underscore Legacy One. Right? Hell yeah. Or you can just link up with me. He's on all my shit. You're damn right. So, we're going to close this episode out. We want to thank you guys so much for being with us. Remember, if you listen to us on iTunes, please give us a review. And on behalf of the man, the myth, the legacy... I am Jasperino, and this is the 700 Taste Podcast. 
and we will catch you with all the Nicolas Cage goodness on the flip side.